3: Right, welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery, the show that can't get enough of winning the FA Cup. Perfect FA Cup final weather, perfect result. Chelsea won their eighth FA Cup final, beating Jose Mourinho's Man United and leapfrogging Spurs as the third most successful side in the competition in the process. Oh, yes. Now, a great day out with great company, which has always been uh, very much what following Chelsea is all about in my book. Uh, But the winning does make it all sweeter. Um, But do we care that it was a negative defensive performance? Or is it more amusing that we out-Mourinho'd Mourinho? Has it papered over the cracks of a disappointing season? Or should we just enjoy it for what it was? And what about the meltdown as soon as the players left the pitch with Conte, Willian, Hazard and Courtois all acting out? And what about Roman Aramovich being denied a visa? I mean, you know, what has Roman ever done for us? Well, about one billion quid and 16 trophies in 15 years for a start. i tell you what, I'm quite happy just to revel in Chelsea winning another FA Cup uh, for a little while yet. Uh, At least seven more than I ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. The Chelsea fan cast number 427, the magic of cup number eight. Now, on this illustrious FA Cup winning show, which I also should say is the last Monday night uh, fan cast of the season, Uh, we'll go back to our daycare and our retirement homes uh, for at least two months. I think we'll be back in August, so so we'll make it a good one for you. I promise it will be superb, and uh, just to prove that, not that I ever need to, um, I can let you uh, introduce the wonderful people I have with me, who, of course, as usual, are the fantastic Jonathan Kidd.
1: Whoop, whoop, whoop.
0: Great to be on the show, Chidge. After our wonderful victory, considering we were so pessimistic, Chelsea. uh you know, Chelsea will will do a Chelsea. I think, as Mark Warrell said, yeah. will not they? And they'll win it. Mark said. Mark's been confident. Is, indeed. Yeah. Marvelous.
3: I can't remember whether Dan was confident, but we've got Dan Silver with us. Were you confident, Dan?
2: Yes, I, mean, I I didn't think it would be a classic. I thought it would be very lo- little goals. And I just thought we'd win. I just of something, something about it, I just thought, FA Cup, Wembley, we've got a good record generally there. We're going to win it. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. uh, Always the optimist. Even at 5-0 down the minute to go, there's still a chance.
3: Good man. <laughs> good man. Uh, and, of course, I saw lots of Dan during the day, uh, more of which I will, uh, you know, regale you with later, no doubt. Um, now, so, one man I didn't see, sadly, but, of course, you know, even if you don't see Liam, you get to know exactly what he thought because you get to read all about it in the uh, in the wonderful coverage that he provides uh, for ESPN. Liam, an absolute honour, privilege, and a pleasure to have you on our last show of the season, mate.
1: Pleasure to be back, guys. Um, yeah, particularly talking about another trophy and and a crazy forty-eight hours since
3: mm, it has been, hasn't it? I know typical Chelsea in a way. I do feel that a lot of this has been. You know, I, I I sense a snideness about how it all blew up in the press afterwards and they were just desperate to remove any nice positive headlines about us winning a cup, but that could just could be because I'm an old cynic. Anyway, uh, without, without further ado, uh, on the show tonight, we will, as I said, be revelling in Chelsea's eighth FA Cup trophy and we'll be applauding Eden Hazard for winning it, but more to the point, we will be applauding Chidge, me, for predicting that he would Three times. I did it on last Monday's show. I did it on the Thursday edition of the Love Sport radio show. And I did it in front of millions about th- four, five hours before the game on Talk Sports show with Jason Cundy and Andy Goldstein. And I have a little treat for you just to prove that this is all true coming up very soon. But before that, well, not before that, but in part two, we will uh, we'll applaud a superb defensive display and ask, is it all about the winning? Or should football be about entertainment? Uh, has winning the Cups saved the season or has it just papered over the cracks? And as I said, with Conte, Courtois, Hazard and William all acting out, uh, which of them will be going and which will be staying? And is it all interdependent? And if Conte does go, some are saying already that it could be this Wednesday, uh, would Jardam or Sarri be a good bet? We're going to hopefully have a chat about that. And if we still have time, because there's so much in this show, I mean, this could be a four-hour show. Um, You know, you didn't hear that, chaps. That's not really true. But uh, in part three, we've got the usual parish notices and we're going to have a look back at the season as a whole and ask, will the summer be a bummer? Uh, It could be the biggest uh, summer that Chelsea have had since Roman arrived, I think. But it, it could be a bummer. It might be not. We shall find out. Anyway, in part four, just to round up things as always, we've got some great emails for Jonathan to read out, including one on the issue around Roman Abramovich being refused a visa. Now... I've been refused by Visa, Amex, and MasterCard, so I don't quite see what the problem is, to be honest. But uh, we'll be discussing it on the back of an email that somebody sent in. (laughs) Ha, 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 indeed. And, Jonathan, there's there's also a bonus email, which uh, missed the cut of the script. But it being it's the last show this season, I think I I will read that out, because only I have a copy of it. So we might do that first, but we'll see. Anyway... Don't forget you lot, um, you can listen to the show every, uh, every Monday live at 7 o'clock by going to mixalur.com forward slash chelsea-fancast where of course you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page as so many have. There's so many people in here tonight. Chuckles Cabby, the wonderful Chuckles Cabby. Oh my God, the jokes, Chich. Oh, uh, I'm glad that you're enjoying my jokes. Uh, blew Up North, The game, that game entertained me. Yeah, me too. Vinda Blue next season is ending on the 19th of May, apparently. that By the way, actually, I, I, I actually think that the government should proclaim uh, May the 19th, going forward, a national holiday for Chelsea fans. Only Chelsea supporters get to have the 19th of May off, because it is clearly our day. Joe the Blue's in there, Mum CFC, Elliot Williams, Andrew Self, Steve Thomas, D, Bob 2000, Joe the Blue, So What, Kevin, Benny the Blue, I Saw Alan Mays, John, they're all in here tonight. Bonnie Rig Blues, F, Mary Kill, Baba Chelsea, Bob, lovely Bob Oosre, some bloke called Tony Glover, he's been ranting a lot on Twitter today. Gregory Gardner, Willie Mack, so many of you, we, we we feel we know you all personally, some of whom we've been lucky to see personally, but we feel we know you all. So, anyway... um. That's your Mixler, people. Now, of course, this may be the last Monday night show, uh, but we are doing a final show of the season on Love Sport Radio this Friday. Uh, As always, between 7 o'clock and 9pm, it'll be Jonathan, myself, and the wonderful Alex, the girl who likes balls, Churchill... And uh, I do believe it will be Aaron Paul presenting this week. Uh, now, of course, the best thing about this show, uh, as so many of you have been doing for the last couple of weeks, this is brilliant. We love this. But the best thing that you can do is you can phone in and actually join in the show and uh, debate with us live. Ask us anything you like. We're actually loving it because even though I prepare a huge running order for two hours of content, uh, whenever you ring up, we can just throw that away, talk about whatever we want. And it's fun. we love it, don't we, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, it worked wonderfully on Friday. Really brilliant show because there will be so many people phoned up and interacted, and it's great to hear a voice of people that you've been uh, encountering on the internet on Twitter or wherever. it's uh, it was uh, it was a very funny show and just a very well um, uh, frequented show by everybody, by people that we, as I say, we've uh, we've heard of and read about and read and read what they've written, but never. Never heard their voices. It was great stuff.
3: It was indeed now. all you have to do uh, on Friday when you're listening to the show is to do what what number do they ring Jonathan
0: They ring oh two o eight seventy twenty five five eight
3: perfect I the last show of the season, and he does it perfectly. That's he's a professional. He is a professional uh, now. The other thing I need to tell you, of course, about the love sport radio show is that like this show, it goes up as a podcast. Uh, as soon as I can do it, uh, and goes out on the usual ChelseaFanCast.com website, plus Acast and Apple and all of that stuff as well. So you, you you don't have to miss it. But it's much more fun if you listen live and even more fun if you ring us up. Uh, and, of course, you can hear it on 558 5, AM and on the uh, digital audio channels. Uh, also, you can listen to it on LovesportRadio.com and if you've got if you want to listen to it on your phone you can do that if you've got a radio player and tune in app now after this very short break we'll be talking about the FA Cup final Chelsea versus Man United yes <laughs> Um, what a super day. What a super day. Um, I'm g- I am want to talk a, b- a little bit, uh, bef- uh, really, just about the general Atmos chaps. And, uh, or shall I? No. I'm going to do this first. I just can't resist this. I cannot resist this. Uh, I am Mystic Chidge. Listen to this, and you'll know why. Ed and Hazard. Uh, and I tell you what, I, I, I think, go and put your money on Hazard scoring a goal or putting in a really good performance. I think he may well turn up. Anyway, the bottom line is Hazard I I I wouldn't be surprised if he if he actually puts on a really good show on Saturday and 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 helps us win the trophy. You, sure capable, you see we were saying earlier one moment of magic won the 2007 final yeah. could be Hazard. I've got a really I've got a very strong feeling that Hazard'll do something and help us win this one. I really do. And-
1: Gents, we've got around a minute left and I um, just thought I'd get some predictions from you quickly before we finish. How do you see the cup final going? Cheer, just start with you.
3: I think it'll be tight, like we said, and I'm going to go 1-0 uh, Eden a
0: Our special, we're live from Wembley. It's me, Andy Goldstein, the fun boy, Jason Kundi, And I'm delighted to say we're joined by uh, the presenter of the Red Mancunian podcast, Chuddy and Wiles are with us. Chuddy, good, good afternoon. Or oh, good morning, as it is. And the presenter of the Chelsea fan cast, Dave Chidge, joins us. Dave, hello.
3: Morning, we? <laughs> uh, before I let you go, a quick prediction from both of you. Of course you're going to say that well, your team's going to win, but what score? I agree with Jason. I think it's going to be very, very tight. And I think, you know, when you get a tight match like that, it's decided by a key moment. And I'm really hoping... That Hazard puts in a big performance and, and gets, you know, one moment of quality from mm. him, 1-0 to Chelsea. Mm. OK, 1-0. Well, uh, who knew? Who knew that Chidge does it again and is, in fact, Mystic Chidge? I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jonathan, I can't believe you ever doubted that I knew exactly what was going to happen.
0: Well, now that I know that you've got this direct line to uh, fate,
3: God, I may never God. ever doubt
0: you ever again, Chidge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. One well, as a non-believer, um, um, I can only say fate, but um, um, to chaos, in fact. But could you, um, uh, as always in these situations, could you give me a few numbers for the lottery? Yeah, a lot of
3: people, a lot of people have been asking that. Of course, my my great regret is that I didn't put any money on this at all, uh, and I would have got odds of eighteen to one for that. So you know, but hey ho. I mean, of course, you know, we all know that had I put money on it, <laughs> I would have. G-
0: you've got eighteen. <laughs>
3: I'd have guaranteed that uh, You'd 18 quid wouldn't you? Well I would yes. Well that much? I probably probably put 50p but if I had put money on it I know damn well that we would not have won and it would have all then been my fault. Uh but uh, that aside I I mean you know I said it actually to uh, to to cut, to Goldie and Goldie to Kundi and Goldstein and uh, I I had a real special feeling about the day I'll be honest with you it, it just felt like a you know, proper cup final. The weather was just absolutely super proper. You know, it's hard to explain. For those of you who are fairly new to football, for people of our age group particularly, you know, my my memories of the FA Cup finals are all in the 70s, and it always seemed to be a blisteringly hot blue sky day, and it was always special. It was the only live game on TV in those days, and it it had a real cachet about it, and, and it felt and smelt like that. The weather was fitting. The other thing, I think, is that, you know, Unlike in many years previously, it, it was the only trophy we could win. There was no Premier League or, or Europe to distract us. So, I think for for me that that also added to the specialness of the day. We were underdogs. I think that we, we we're better as underdogs. You know, last year was so disappointing. We were really up for it this year. The atmosphere was smashing. I was so delighted with the atmosphere. You know, I wish we could be like that at home every week. The United fans were completely smug, even by their standards beforehand. So, you know, for me, it all felt special. I mean, Jonathan, you know, I get the feeling you might not be quite as effusive as me, but uh, I really did feel that something special was going to happen.
2: Well, I
0: didn't feel the same... Uh, specialness i got the uh, i thought uh, uh, the night before that it was going to be a disaster and that i wasn't revved up for it at all and i wouldn't care very much and of course then woke up in the morning with butterflies in my stomach and was then worried about whether i was going to get there on time even though i'd left with 2 hours to go and i got on the wrong train uh, even though it was actually the right train <laughs> because I ended up at Wembley Central. But I'd, but I'd attempted to go to Marylebone, which was a bit crap considering then ending up at Wembley Central and then uh, limped up to the uh, up through Wembley Way, taking a few photographs and um, was forced to deal with, not lip deal with, but listen to lots of, um, as you say, smug Man U chanting and abuse for John Terry. And one wonderful moment where a man came up to me and uh, put his hand on my shoulder and then... Um, uh, shook my hand in that kind of brother way that one does, you know, not, not a proper handshake. And then looked me in the face and realised that he'd made a terrible error and I wasn't who he thought he was and just ran off. Um, uh, that was a, a lovely moment for me. And, um, you know, I got there very early, very pleasant, um, uh, and then began to get more and more involved. And, of course, was terribly surprised that we then clearly had the right attitude for the first 10 minutes. And I kept saying to the bloke next to me, oh, we're doing okay, aren't we? Oh, blimey, we're up for it, which was my big fear, was that we wouldn't be up for it, that somehow there would be some dissent that had gone on in the dressing room. But we clearly were up for it, and we were up for it till the goal. And then we entered into the, once we scored, I, of course, said to my mate next to me, Um, we will now defend for 75 minutes. You are aware of that, aren't you? And I'm not sure my heart can take it, I said, because we'll just be, I'll be nine again sitting here as if it's as if it's Chelsea Tottenham and we've scored first and I'm sitting here and thinking, uh, um, am I going to be able to deal with this? And of course, I'm then convinced they will score naturally. Um, Every centre, in fact, the bloke next to me was worse. He, he screeched every single time and he said, he came, no, Chelsea, no. He kept saying, no, every time United got the ball, um, uh, particularly on the wings. But it became apparent that they weren't going to score in a month of Sundays. And I was very pleased that... Um, um, and because we defended wonderfully, but um, he, the fact that he applied the same tactics as he'd um, applied against Seville really helped because one forgets that occasionally Mourinho can go that way. But um, and of course, by the end, I was in tears, Chidge, because that's me. Were course. you really? By the end, Were cried. you really? I cried. I was. I cried because we won another trophy completely against the odds. I have found this season absolutely painful you know i have i can talk i can try and be rise above it and try and make um uh, objective views of what's going on but in reality my little heart is so involved in it that uh, i want us to win all the time i want us to win everything you know i've been impaired by having those four years under doherty when it looks as if we win everything and we never won anything at all other than the league cup that I didn't go to because I wasn't allowed to go because I was too little. So I, I, that was the worst. So I constantly believe we're going to lose everything. As I keep saying to everybody. So therefore, to actually win it, I'm then, I'm elevated. I was uh, so delighted by that. Oh, my God. I thought it was wonderful at the end. Absolutely wonderful. So the the FA Cup, to me, still has its place. You I remember I'm the man who, in 1997, when they paraded the trophy around uh, the Fulham Road and Fulham Broadway had to hide behind the hedge because I was blubbing so much so uh you know uh, it 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 means so much to me god uh, save
3: us great stuff wonderful dan uh, you, oh, know, you know you and I you and I uh had a had a different kind of day from Jonathan in many respects because you know our, our, our Wembley tradition uh you know revolves around going to the Victoria pub although of course I'd, I'd bizarrely you know had to get up at stupid o'clock and go and do the uh, a Love Sport uh, radio show show preview uh, between 9 and 10. And then I headed straight up to Wembley to go and do uh, the sports bar with uh, Andy Gelson and Cundy, which was great fun, actually. Really, really fun doing it with them. And then I headed straight back to Paddington to the pub. And, uh, and of course, I saw your wonderful grinning face and Steve and Corey saying, would you like a pint of lager, Chidge? Yeah. Yes, please. And that, was the, that. for me, was really the start of the day. But superb to see you for most of the day and at the end of it, but also to see so many people in the Victoria pub. Mirko, the mad German, was there. Uh, um, Andy Ray, the OC hooligan, was there. Darren Mantle was there. Chris Larwood was there. It was fantastic. I mean, it was just, I love all that bit, almost as much as I actually like the football at Wembley.
2: Did you see Russ, Jean. There's loads of people there weren't right there? Yeah. It's just a really... It's, 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 it's a nice pub. It's set outside, glorious sunshine. It's not too busy. Proper chill. Uh, it's just a great way to start the day. You know, because my friends got their Cut Farm tickets. They drove down from Swansea in the morning So Cardiff. I they were absolutely buzzing. So they had a thoroughly good day. It's, it's what football's all about. You know, great weather, great friends, great beer. FA Cup win, more beer and a curry. And then
3: a hangover. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you were steaming, Dan. Actually, before the match, uh, which was great to see. Uh, but it, but it was great fun. And and for me, that's what it's all about. It was lovely to have a pint or two with you. Uh, you know, on the way back, which was great because uh, uh, it's a bugger getting out of Wembley. So really, it's much more fun to uh, to have a drink afterwards. But um, I'm going to talk to to Liam now and see if we can get you know what well, I mean. It's because you have to work, Liam. So I mean, is is it a very different day for you?
1: Um, yeah, it's a very different experience, but a very enjoyable one, nonetheless. Cup final day is very good. Um, there's always about a million, a million journalists. There, there are there are two box, two press boxes and two press rooms at Wembley, an East and a West. And I was actually sitting in the uh, East one this year, which has happened to be in the Chelsea half of the stadium. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was it was fun walking around the stadium pre-match. Looking at all the fans milling around, everyone seemed to be having a good time, and did, it seemed to be very relaxed. Everyone enjoying the sunshine. You can't, you can't legislate for weather like that on a on an FA Cup final day. And then uh, I actually thought the the, the pre match pomp and circumstance annoyed me slightly less than it generally does. Um, I still think they could do without without the blaring music drowning out the atmosphere at every given yeah, opportunity. Absolutely but um but yeah it was good and then and then the game started and uh wasn't wasn't exactly a classic um but you know it was kind of the game i expected really uh, i actually predicted that united would win i thought they'd win a close game but mm. i predicted it'd be a close low scoring <laughs> i just thought that in in recent times particularly since the turn of the year chelsea really haven't managed big games well um the only one they they won was against liverpool a couple of weeks ago and they they've let a lot of games get away from them even after taking the lead so when they were 1-0 up i wasn't even confident that they'd close it out and uh i think united had the chances but it was a uh, yeah it was all, all in all a good day and then the the press conferences afterwards um and i was sort of weighing up whether to go and see conte or to go and try and do the mix zone where the players walk through. And uh, in the end, I was quite glad I did uh, go to Conte's press conference because he did have quite a lot to say, even if he wasn't in a position to advance the discussion about his future. He was in, in defiant mode. And uh, and then because the players took so long getting ready after the game and celebrating, I still managed to make it down to the mix zone and get a few minutes with, uh, with Gary Cahill, who seemed pretty happy with, with life. A month ago he wasn't he was out of the Chelsea team and out of the England squad, so it's been a good little run for him, and I saw N'Golo Kante carrying all of his personal belongings in a clear plastic bin bag, uh, which <laughs> felt to me to- totally in character, every Everyone else walking through with these really snazzy wash bags or club issue you know cases, and Kante just walking through with a something you'd take through like airport security,
0: mm. basically.
3: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So
1: yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a
3: fun day. Yeah, even if you're in the press, I mean, I, I would have thought afterwards it would have been quite interesting actually, because I think you're right. A lot came out of that. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. Um, I just want to like you know really pick up on what was, of course, the key moment of the game, uh, and of course. Liam, you know clearly you thought we were going to lose because you're not as much of a genius as me, who I knew all along. Obviously, as we now know, there is proof, evidentiary proof, that I knew what was going to happen. Um, but of course, what happened was exactly what I said. Hazard uh, did turn up, and and the reality is, big players, you know, have to turn up in big games, and and he delivered. And it, I, I, to be honest, I'm really delighted to see that because I I, I I do think that Hazard sometimes flatters to deceive. <laughs> And and Chelsea has a track record over many years of their big players turning up. I mean, none bigger than Diego Drogba, of course, at FA Cup Finals. Um, and of course, you know, against United in 2007, Drogba didn't really get any change at all out of United. But one moment of magic and he buried the ball in the net and Chelsea won the Cup. And in a sense, that's what Hazard did. Although I actually thought he played pretty well all game. I, I thought his first touch actually for that goal was absolutely superb. Um, I also thought he put the penalty away brilliantly, Jonathan. So, you know, a lot of people have moaned about it being a bit of a miserable, boring final, but actually, you know, at the end of the day, Hazard's class showed, didn't it?
0: Yeah, oh, completely brilliant. I thought he, and considering that most of the time Chelsea's tactic was just, you know, boot the ball up was up to Giroud, see if he could hold it and lay it off. Or play a ball to Hazard and make him do something with it. I think he delivered completely. Um I mean it was a it was a, a very very good piece of uh, defensive organisation to win that game. All right, they gave them a couple of chances and Pogba should have scored with that header, but I thought the defence was uh, fantastically marshalled and I thought Kael was great. Kanté is a, a completely brilliant player. And I'll keep going on about it, but I do wish we had a couple of really top players like Hazard and Kanté because I reckon that we we'd win the league. Um Or at least be there competing with City, because I don't think City are are, um, unreachable. Um, uh, Now I I, I, I thought it was uh, um, it was a terrific defensive defensive performance in the end, and of course Rudiger has just come out of his um, his played out of his skin. He's just he's come out of his hidey hole, revealed himself as being a, a terrific Chelsea player. Um, I loved it when he was awarded the man of the match. <laughs> to celebrate on the pitch at the time. Did you see that? that uh, yeah, I did. When, when the loudspeaker said uh, "man of the match," Rüdiger, and he sort of jumped up in the air. It was fantastic. Oh. Um, but oh. No, I was. I, I, I know. One is. I'm very impressed with these performances. I, we want to carry on with Hazard, don't we? Just, no, no, uh, no,
3: no, no, on no, no. On we one. can. We can go- I thought
0: Hazard. We can move off a bit, can we? Well, um, but no, I think you know the fact that Hazard has made a statement about uh, made a statement about uh, wanting uh, to see who's there before he signs his contract. I think it's really relevant. Um, it's 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 a very strange time, isn't it? With also with nothing happening at the moment. Now there've been some angry tweets about people saying we all know what's going to happen. Could it happen sooner rather than later, please? But the problem is, is we don't know what's going mm. to happen. We don't know what we don't. The, what the setup uh, we, we, is. We, we, I was told an interesting. Yeah, let's thing get about, let's
3: get into that keep, in part two. But keep going, keep, but Hazard Hazard I thought was yeah, you know absolutely. he was brilliant. Dan I mean you know as Jonathan, I think Jonathan put it brilliantly actually you know and, and, and not not least because he agreed with me but um you know Hazard does have to turn up in the big games and he has to has to deliver and and it was really lovely to see that he did and and I, I hope that it's had a positive effect on him. Do you think it might have done?
2: I hope so. I mean, that was his 300th game for us um, on the weekend. Goodness me. Um, and he's been scored 89 goals and had 75 assists. And generally, he's played under some fairly defensive coaches. So you can imagine if we, if we did get uh, a more attack minded coach, how much better he could be. Because, you know, look at look at his figures for 300 games. It's not bad. I mean, I thought he was brilliant. I, I love the man. I just think there's something about him. He's, he enjoys the game. There's no kind of, you know egos like Pogbury and loads of stupid haircuts. He just turns up, plays a game. Even saw the um, the interview I think he did with uh, BBC before the game. I think he's he's always been enabled that he doesn't quite have the desire to be the absolute best. And I think he pretty much admitted that in the interview that he's you know he's happy with what he does. He doesn't need to score hundred goals. Just just his mentality. So albeit fantastic be mm. talented if a coach can get the best out of him you know playing a more attacking role more consistently he, he, he could get some really frightening numbers next season mm. well let's i also like... think he'll stay sorry I think mate he's very settled here, this, settled here.
3: yeah okay well, well yeah, we... i
2: guess i think he's, he's very much found he's found
3: mm. well, well we'll pick this up in in part two which uh we'll, we, well there's so much to talk about i mean it could be it could end up being a bit of a long one tonight because there's loads to cover but uh um, part two, we're going to uh, we're going to look at the defensive display, which we've kind of touched on already. And uh, you know, do we care about winning more than we care about entertainment? Has the cup saved the season, or is it papering over the cracks? Conte, Courtois, Hazard, what's going on there? And uh, if Conte does go, would uh, jardin or, or Sari be a good bet? We'll find out more about that in a minute.
0: only place for Chelsea fans, footballfancast.com, real
3: fans, real opinions.
2: I'm
0: Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast,
2: total nutters and proper Chels.
3: Right, it's Stamford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast. It is the the final show of the season on a Monday, a bit sad, really. Uh, but I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd and Dan Silver and Liam Toomey to keep you company. Evening, chaps. Great to be here, Chidge. As always, love your company and such fine fellows. It is have indeed. There with you, it's been a great old season. Nice to be
1: back with you guys again.
3: Yeah, it's lovely to have you here, mate. Right, um, obviously, you know, quick uh, quick shout out for the Chelsea Fancast website uh which we love particularly now because Hion has been doing great things with the uh, the fancast website uh lots and lots of materials up there a chap called a Blue Up North is in here in Mixler, he does lots of writing for us. So does lots of other people. It's great. Check it out, ChelseaFanCast dot com. And that, if the show isn't going on during the summer, I can guarantee you the website will be. So go and check that out if you want to keep in touch with us and what's going on. Uh, now we we were already talking. I mean, you know, we, we were going on beforehand. What a great defensive display it was. Um, and I thought Courtois in particular had a super game. As did the, you know, C- Cahill superb asby superb kante absolutely superb but uh jonathan was d- definitely bigging up uh tony rudiger and he was immense he quite you know quite rightly got the uh you know he quite rightly got the man of the match but i have to say i'm really really growing uh warming towards antonio rudiger dan he he he's immense but i what i love particularly about him you know he's he's shown a lot of fight this season um, I love his attitude. Uh, he, he, you know, I'm not not going to make bold predictions like he, he's going to be a, a a Chelsea legend or whatever. But he's certainly somebody who could who could have cemented his uh cemented his place in the side for a while to come. I think Dan.
2: Oh I think he's absolutely immense. I mean, he's the absolute epitome of a modern centre half. He's tall, strong, fast, reads the game very well. He's got desire, he's got hunger, I and mean, we, you know. And, and leadership, which is what we've lacked for, you know, since JT's gone. There's a, a lot to like about him. It took him a while to sort of settle into England and recover from his injury, but seasons he's season's he's done very well. I thought he was outstanding um, on Saturday. Really, really top, top player. Mm. And was he 26, I think? So he's the right age as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, he's definitely, I definitely think he's one, one for the future and evidence of a goodbye. I mean, talking of evidence of goodbyes, uh, Liam you know, Bakayoko's had a tremendous amount of stick uh, this season. But, uh, you know, I've been saying it all along. He played in a three at Monaco and he looked a good player there. And whenever he's played in a three for Chelsea, he's looked good. And again, I thought he, he, you know, he wasn't spectacular by any means, but he did his job on Saturday, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he was, uh, I thought he was very, very solid. Um, I've been saying for months about Bakayoko that I don't know whether there is a Chelsea player in him but if there is I was convinced that we would find out next season not this season because of his because of the knee injury he arrived with disrupted pre-season and all the usual things you have to adapt to when you come to English football and he was adapting to an Italian coach as well a very exacting Italian coach after playing in a team that in a Monaco team that didn't really worry about what The other team did with the ball they were regularly involved in four three five four games you know they were that's part of what made them such a romantic side Chelsea don't operate that way and um I think it's been a big big adjustment for him on every single level and I think it's a good story that um he's come from the point that he was at with that Watford horror show to the stage now where he can perform very solidly at Wembley in a, in a cup final in a game where you know mistakes could could prove absolutely decisive and i think w- he he's not going to the world cup with france and i think that's probably the best thing for him at this stage because he can now have a full summer off make sure he's physically ready for next season and whether he's being coached by conte or someone else i think he's shown enough flashes in the last month or so to suggest that the talent there is talent there for 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 the next coach to work with or for Conte to work with next season depending on how things go
3: um yeah well as I said I I I agree with you I think you know come next season uh, I mean depending on the manager of course you know he could well he could well end up being a decent player for us Uh, and and he, he wouldn't be the first player to take you know a year to adjust to the vagaries of the Premier League and its pace particularly. Um, Jonathan, um, I actually thought Fabregas had a, had a, had a pretty good game yes, uh, on Saturday, but, you know, in fairness to him, he was blowing out of his arse to the end, and it did surprise me that Conte took a while... Well, he didn't. I don't think he did substitute him, did he? I can't remember now in the, in the heat of the battle, but uh, I wonder if he could have taken him no, off he early. Didn't. He didn't.
0: Well, in that 10 minutes at the beginning of the second half, which appears to have been a very vulnerable period for us when we've had 1-0 leads, uh, or even not, we lost a goal against Man City, if you remember, in the first few minutes of the second half. They all seem to be slightly sluggish. I don't ever get it with these teams, with Conte's teams this season. They'll come out after a halftime break and they'll just not quite be there. And, uh, I mean, I I was going mad and... um, uh, the bloke next the door to me thought I was very peculiar because I kept going. Come on, boy! Come on, boys! Come on! Concentrate! Come on! Come on! You can do it! Come on! Come on! Because you just saw, United had gone up a gear, and Fabregas managed to lose the ball three times, be caught in possession three times. On one occasion, he got given the ball. Um, a nifty piece of uh, defending it was passed out to him, and he he insisted on taking about three. bit a couple of players, I think, three touches, but only got as far as about you know, six yards outside the, the penalty area when he was tackled again. And it, it wasn't the time to be doing that. And he couldn't get back and he was completely inadequate. And I just then kept shouting out, come on, Conte, substitute him. And in fact, the person I was thinking, who could he bring on for that situation? And I thought, well, if he's going to defend like this, it has to be Barkley. I can't think of any, I can't, William coming on wouldn't work at all because he he hasn't got that that kind of strength and ability. But I mean... Um uh, uh, you know I mean I'm a great fan of William, don't get me wrong, but he's just not for that moment where I thought we were so under the cosh and then happily, after fifteen minutes, whether they united got knackered or something, I don't know, but their potency of those attacks just seemed to dissipate, and Hazard got more into the game again, and then we started um being involved in you know in slightly dark arts of time wasting or just even taking the ball into the corner, which we did a lot of and Fabregas was actually allowed to become more prominent and do that wonderful thing he does is picking players out with lovely balls. He's such a terrific playmaker. But it, for me, if you're going to play that defensive um, stuff the way that, that Conte does, because let's face it, he is a defensive manager. I suspect he would say, like Mourinho, if he was given different better players, he could be an attacking manager. But anyway, he appears to me to be the epitome of, of Italian defensive and he uh, um, and, and and we were therefore forced to observe this for 75 minutes. And Fabregas is not the man for that. Fabregas is too creative, but happily, because Bakayoko was there and I will make a um, similarly, a defence of him, which I couldn't, can't believe I'm doing. He, he, because he just he, he occupies space and and is you know did some decent. He, he's, he's the kind of thing I used to get up to. Not compare myself, but I used to get up to on Sunday league when I didn't think I was ever going to get the ball, or I was a bit useless, or I had a late night the night before. All you do is just screen and run after people. You know the manager says, "Oh, well played, well played, Jonathan, you were great today." And you've he, done absolutely nothing. But he kind of he was he was there. I still don't think that Bakayoko was. Uh, delivered anywhere near the kind of thing we thought he was going to be, because he was supposed to be Matic's um, uh, replacement, wasn't he? That's why they got rid of Matic, because they thought they had this this youngster who was a better player. And as you say, he hasn't, he hasn't come up to scratch, really. But yes, he was much better. And, it, and therefore, you've got an extra defensive midfielder in that setup. But Fabregas not only blowing, he was actually out on his feet after 60 minutes. So why once again Conte refused to um, to substitute him is beyond me. He just went on and on, and in the end he only substituted uh, to waste time. To, no, we're well, not waste time because obviously the referee is going to add it on. Well, frequently they don't, but he did it to disrupt the flow of the game at the end. Um, once again, something I just do not get with Conte supposedly being this you know, wonderful, um, wonderful tactician. When we didn't, we haven't seen much of that in the second half of this season at all, the wonderful tactician. Well, that's, a that's, um, that, you, know, t- you know,
3: Jonathan, that's a really good question because, you know, what I think we're saying is, you know, was it uh, a, a good uh, tactical um, game by Conte in terms of, you know, he out-Mourinho, Mourinho effectively, um, or, or was it really that Manu was shit and, and we got away with it and we're quite lucky? <laughs>
2: Because
3: because, be United were shit. I mean, you know, I, 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 I luxuriated uh, when I got back to Hampshire yesterday in watching the entire match all over again, and I can never bother. Normally, I can't, just, just can't be asked to do that, but I really fancied it. So, and I was astonished about how little, you know, real chances or direct goal threats United United uh, had, and I mean, you know, I know Chelsea defended really, really well. You know, but, you know, United did get through on several occasions and then, like, Ashley Young, you know, just crossed it, or, you know, to the corner flag or or Matic scuffed it past yeah, there the were post. Some
0: dreadful crosses, there?
3: They're shit. The consistent, terrible crossing from United.
0: It, it really was dreadful. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, that was remarkable, some of that. That was, uh, it was just weird. But it was, it was how they played against Seville. I don't know. I don't know how he, well, he didn't in the end. I was thinking if they had scored, um, They'd have had six, more than that, eight forwards on practically. We'd gone into extra time. I think Chelsea would have taken them to the cleaners because Chelsea at least had the remnants of a of a composed side. Whereas he'd just thrown more and more attackers on in kind of terrible desperation, Mourinho. Mm. It was a it was a dreadful performance by him as a manager and by them as a team. It was uh, you know, and and we I think on a Um, With a slightly better opponent, we'd have been um, we'd have been beaten easily. Actually, playing like that,
3: mind you, it it warms the cockles of my heart to see Mourinho making Man United so shit. I have to say, Um, you know, Dan, you know, should should we should we you know care? I mean, it was it. Look, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I I'm a big fan of good defensive performances, and I don't think you can really be a very honest Chelsea supporter unless you do appreciate that given. Some of our great wins have, have come off the back of that, um, and it was really interesting because I, I I was on the radio last night and, and I was listening to a lot of people absolutely melting down about how absolutely shit the game was and it was an offence to football purists and entertainment in general. I mean, you know, I, I didn't give a damn. I you know, it could could have come off somebody's arse as long as we won. That's that's what I care about. But do you think do you think there is a case for for you know, entertaining football? As as well as winning, or instead of winning, I mean, I can't ever see it being instead of winning, Dan. I doubt you can either, really.
2: No, not at all. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, case in point, Arsenal. Yes, they play some great football for twelve years. They've done nothing. Listen, you go out to win matches. For me, is irrelevant. I don't really care about pretty football. But we won the FA Cup. We set up. We defend. Miss Nukaku, but they were getting down the sides, no one to cross to. We, we did a job, we won the FA Cup in two years' time, three years' time. No one's going to remember how turgid the game was. All the game going is going to break out Wembley, won the FA Cup. Yeah, you can't always play pretty football, and it and doesn't I ha- always work, and you, I- you know. It's, it's about
3: Sorry. Well, sorry, mate. I was I was waiting for you. But no, I was just going to say, I, you know, it's a really weird thing, isn't it? You know, the the FA Cup, everybody has uh, has ownership um, of it. They feel that they do. And yet, actually, the only two people who have a right to, 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 to any self-interest in it are the two protagonists, and neither of whom give a shit whether it's entertaining football or not. So the neutrals can all bugger off in my book. there has got nothing to do with them. Um so, the bottom line is, chaps, I mean, Liam, the, the, you know, for me, and I, I'm sure John, I, I could speak for Jonathan and and, uh, and Dan on this, winning the Cup is still very, very special for Chelsea supporters. Um, I, I'm astonished that, uh, you know, it's, it's our eighth trophy. I've got a little table in the script that you can probably see. Um, it's our 23rd trophy in all. We've now got six league titles, eight FA Cups, five League Cups and four European trophies. We are... We are third on the all-time list. We're only one behind United in terms of European trophies. Liverpool have got eight, uh, United five, we've got four. We're now equal with Spurs on eight FA Cups. Um, As I said, we're fourth in the trophy hall overall. You know, it's Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, then Villa, then Spurs. This is massive, massive, massive for this club, uh, uh, Liam. So... You know, it's very, very special. But that, that there is this lingering feeling, in a, in a season like we've had, that it, it, is it is it papering over the cracks? Dare we talk about the negative side of this on a on a on a day that we've we've oh, a couple of days after we have won the FA Cup?
1: Well, I think as a as a fan, I don't think you can be quite so glass half empty to to talk about the you know the broader perspective when you've just won a trophy you know you should give yourself a little bit of time to enjoy it and uh and live in the moment because even given the run that Chelsea have been on under Abramovich these last 15 years you know you know you never know when this when this sort of thing is going to end you know there's no guarantee Chelsea win another trophy anytime soon so you have to enjoy every single one that comes along uh if you if you're a fan so uh, the broader the broader picture, you know, this season hasn't been a success, and this game wasn't going to change that. It, it, it was. I think it was nice for Conte to go out, potentially go out on a high. It certainly looks like he's going out. So going out on a high um, was good for him. I think he probably des- deserved it for what he achieved last season. You know, he's been getting an awful lot of abuse this year on on social media. Um, some of it from people who astonish me with the, the shortness of their memories. But um you know, I, I think he, he pulled off a real triumph of coaching last year and and he hasn't shown I think JK's right, he hasn't shown as many of those qualities this season and he's shown up quite a few of his flaws but over the broader broader picture I think he, he, he deserved an, an opportunity to to sign off with a trophy. And and now yeah once the once you get past the FA Cup uh, when you're looking at a summer where there are going to be an awful lot of key decisions, and Chelsea appear to be going into it in their in their customary state of flux, but um, you know it's it's going to be interesting one way or another. And I still think they'll go into next season with a, a team that can be competitive. Uh, we we just don't really know what it's gonna what it's going to look like yet, or who or who the coach is going to be.
3: Yeah, although although I think, Liam, it's pretty safe to assume that, that Conte's going to go. I, I really can't see him staying. I really yeah. can't. And, I mean, you know, I'm glad, actually, I mean, it's, it would be easy for me to say I plan it like this, but the reality is I never do. But it's good that I've got you on this bit because uh, you were at the presser afterwards, and I know you've heard everything he had to say, but my impression of it was that he was very much poking the bear again. Comments like, I'm a serial winner, you know, sack me if you dare type stuff and uh, I'm not going to change, so don't expect me to, you know. <laughs> given what we've had this season, given that the root of the, a lot of the problems stem from his friction with the board, that's hardly going to endear him any more to them, is it?
1: No, but I don't think he particularly cares about that at this stage. I don't think he has for quite a few months. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the first time, although I do think it was some of the most emphatic quotes he's produced, where he's given the impression of a man who is talking to his next employer um yeah you know that that press conference very much seemed seem to me him saying to whoever his new club might be or whoever might be interested in hiring him look i am a serial winner this is my record um if chelsea don't appreciate me there will be plenty of other clubs plenty of other elite clubs that that will and uh, i think he's probably right about that i think when he leaves chelsea um, he leaves as it's pretty established as a as a top five tactical coach in the world, and he should be in demand. and a, um, And Chelsea will struggle to get a get a coach as good as him. Now, having said all of that, I don't necessarily think that a parting of the ways is is the wrong thing anyway at this stage because it things have reached a point I think where where if Conte were to stay. Um, quite a few other players might consider their futures, and, and the relationship between him and Marina Granovskaya is clearly um, pretty much unworkable. So, in that sort of situation, it doesn't really matter how good a coach Conte is if he can't, if he's lost key players and he's lost the key executive at the club, then things have reached a natural end point
3: Well,
0: again, I think I'm he gl- lost the key executive. Can I just say, I think he lost the key executive uh, um, in both transfer windows. I think um, I think he lost them in the summer, mm. uh, and um, uh, as we've discussed before, with his uh, bizarre turning his phone off and exiting and wanting to leave, um, and uh, and I think the same thing happened when he didn't get who he wanted um, uh, uh, in the January transfer window. So I I I, I, I think he's been goading. The club to sack him all this time and I, I have to say i'm i'm slightly bemused as to why it hasn't happened um because it's the only time it hasn't happened um, well
1: i think i think i think jk it reflects the where the club are at financially um you know it it costs there, there is a price tag to sacking yes. conte and abramovich has paid out more than Sixty million pounds um, over the course of his ownership to various managers. They paid out eight million to get rid of Mourinho and his backroom staff, and Abramovich really didn't want to do that because he'd just given Mourinho a new contract. He probably let Mourinho go on far too long and actually end up torching that entire season because he was trying to give him a chance to to avoid a payoff. And I think they were they were hoping against hope that even though. Conte's relationship with the board was broken; that he could just about get Chelsea into the top four, and then they could, and then there would be a club this summer willing to take him off their hands. Now things have obviously landed a different way. They finished fifth; they'll be out of the Champions League next year, and PSG have gone out and appointed Thomas Tuchel, so that that removes the likeliest home for Conte um you know he he was never really interested in taking the Italy job again so that they're they're in a tough spot now and and that's why I didn't expect win or lose after the FA Cup final I didn't expect any kind of immediate announcement that Conte was going because it's a little bit of a staring contest you know he he doesn't want to leave that money on the table and I don't blame him because you know he's both both parties agreed to that contract um he would be silly to, to leave nine million pounds on the table, but Chelsea would rather not pay him that, uh, especially when it's unclear who they would get in and how much that person would cost as well. So that Chelsea, Chelsea are operating on fairly tight parameters this summer and they don't really want to blow a significant chunk of what would be a, a transfer budget on, on managers.
3: I mean, the thing, the thing, the, 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 thing, the, thing the, the thing, is, for the thing uh, is, the thing is, uh, is Liam is that I, I suspect that they're not going to bump Conte off until until they've got a replacement in, and I, I suspect that that's what the delay is all about. But I think your point about um, you know the players is an interesting one because I think from what we know so far, if Conte stays, Hazard is likely to go. If Conte stays, William is likely to go. If Conte stays, Louise is likely to go, and that's just the three we know about. Now, I mean, there's a superb piece uh, in the, I think it was the Sunday Telegraph yesterday by Matt Law, of course, who is one of Chelsea's chosen journos, as we know. And he was pretty much saying this, that if it comes down to a choice between Hazard and Conte, it's Hazard every time. So do you think, do you think, first of all, do you think there's any truth in that? And I'm going to ask the boys what they think.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. I think that's absolutely a viable way of looking at it. That it could well be a straight choice between Hazard and Conte, and if it is, um, you know, it should be Hazard that wins. It's Conte, as I said, is a top five tactical coach in the world. I've got huge respect for what he's done. I like I like him. I've I've liked dealing with him, but you know, there are other good coaches in the world. It would be far more difficult given Chelsea's current um, state and financial limitations relative to the rest of the European elite to go out and get someone as talented as Hazard. Now I I think he's the most talented player that Chelsea have ever had. Um, Now, whether he's lived up to that talent in every, you know, in every moment of his Chelsea career is another debate, but um, I think he's certainly the most important person, you know, beneath Abramovich at Chelsea right now. And, he's he's at a crossroads in his career he's 27 he knows his next contract is going to be his last big one but he also wants to in a footballing sense position himself to to compete for the biggest trophies for the rest of his prime years and Chelsea are getting further and further away from being contenders for the one competition he hasn't won yet which is the Champions League and he you know Real Madrid have kind of been dancing around him for about three or four years but there's every possibility that they could finally decide to to consummate that interest this summer and, and, and I felt for a while that if they want him I think the conditions would be there to, to actually get him off Chelsea this summer. Mm.
3: So there's a possibility he might go. I mean the other thing is actually very quickly uh, uh, Dan, you know one of the things in this article actually was saying that Hazard's not just important to us on the pitch because he's he would be very very hard to replace for a lot of money, but he's also very important to us commercially, sponsors, amount of revenue he generates by having a world class player, all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it, it's Hazard every time. Bye bye Conte, isn't it? Yeah, you have to. I mean, you know, I hate the fact
2: that a commercial interest you know dictates how the club is run. Um, but that's the, that's the world we're living in. But yeah, Hazard, Yeah, you, you, you build your team around him because he is supremely talented. But, you know, <sighs> Conte will come and go. It's, it's, you know, we, we, we've we got a very short-term view on everything that we do, but Hazard is, is a long-term. If he gets a decent contract, he'll stay, I, I believe. You, you, I don't think Madrid will go for him because he's going to... I honestly believe if he gets the right contract, he'll stay. His family's settled here. He self-admits he hasn't got the desire, the hunger... To, to push himself more than he does, so why why would he go to Real Madrid and be, you know, booed every week and what have you, and kicked kicked to shit by these tough tough Spanish defenders? And also Ronaldo, Bale, Isco—they've got all those key players ahead of him. Where does he get into the team? Mm. You know, that's so I see. Okay, they're so going to go to Barcelona because they're going to sign Griezmann. I see. I see the
0: season ahead if they get a, uh, even a half decent coach. Um, what with the possibility of Loftus-Cheek and Van Ginkel and Mason Mount and uh, hudson um, uh And uh, say the new manager demands, well, not demands, because I don't think you can demand with the board. But the new manager says, well, actually, I've got three players coming with my old club who I think we should make bids for. And Chelsea pays slightly over the odds for them. I reckon you might then end up with a really rather good team. And I think he'd be very keen to hang around. If he had a good team like that, because as I, I keep repeating, Kante is completely world class. What a wonderful player he is. And if the defence is as sturdy as they have been recently, I think the positions that you have to worry about are um uh, uh Victor on the right wing has ceased to become a winger, and has become a very good defender. But uh, the, the thing that he was brought for initially, which was to be a winger, seems to have, Eva- evaded him somewhere, somehow, and um, uh, Emerson may come good as he's a better defender than uh, Alonso, who ha- has had a despite um, not being in a very successful Chelsea side this 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 season has been in the in the uh, uh, the PFA uh, best team, hasn't he, as a fullback? But I, th- I have to say, I thought he was a bit off the pace on in the cup final, Alonso. He was uh, slightly struggling with it. And and I don't think he's been at his best recently. But he's a he's a still a pretty good player, to
1: Is he in the
0: um, in the Spanish no,
3: World no. Cup squad? No, didn't make
0: it.
1: No, it not... the only the only Chelsea player who made it was as Pilaqueta.
3: Right, right.
0: L- listen, I will tell you uh, what. Nonetheless, we're... I still think he's
3: yeah. Well, I'm just going to say we're getting we're getting into the territory. I think it's a really good point you make there, Jonathan, because. I'm worried about Hazard. I have to say, I think at 27, I think Liam's right. He, he, you know, th- his next contract will be, you know, his last big contract. Perhaps his last chance to play for Real Madrid. Perhaps his last chance for Champions League glory, etc., etc. But on the other hand, what might hold him back is th- is this possibility of a new manager, what he might be like, and what other players come. And I mean, if you remember the other week, he was he was saying, "Look, Chelsea need to buy some decent players." And of course, that leads us into who who might be in you know pole position at the moment. And there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, either either Jardam or or Sari, um, and I think they both have merits. I mean, just to
0: or Loza or, or who or Lozačić Loza White.
3: Well, that's all gone very quiet, strangely enough. But uh, since you since you and I started talking about it, so clearly, <laughs> clearly the powers that be are listening. But I mean, Jardam. Just to summarise his 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 plus points, you know, he's got a history of rebuilding teams with a limited budget and still be successful. He he won the uh, league Liga on. Uh, beating PSG, which is no mean feat considering the money that they chuck at it. He's not a checkbook manager. He's got a reputation for improving players, developing young players, and also is happy to work with what he's got. He's also got a calm head, a tactical brain. He likes attacking football. So, you know, there's a lot to commend him. Sarri, on the other hand, likes attacking football. But is also solid defensively. He he doesn't play the counter attack. He likes a high press, quick passing, ball retention. Sound familiar, Pep Guardiola? Uh, he hasn't won trophies. That's true. But he has been in the shadow of Juventus, who have been very good for, in in Italy recently. He also works with what he's got, improves players, and gives them a lot of self confidence. So his man management is perhaps preferable to Conte. So basically, Please. hang on a minute. In 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 Jardim and Sarri, you've basically got perhaps two good options. And the point that I really want to make is it's absolutely bloody beyond stupid to go and hire another manager in the mould of Conte who is want to, want, who's going to want to come in and buy 30-year-old world-class players that are going to cost 80, 90, 100 million quid who uh, are past their sell-by date, according to the club, who want to buy 23, 24, 25-year-old players. And I suspect that if they hire Jardim or Sarri, they will get a manager who will fill out what their real brief is these days. Jonathan.
0: Um, I just want to ask is uh, we know that Sari is available. We know that he's refu- He's got this seven million buyout. And apparently, uh, what is it, Laurentiis, the chairman, is fed up with him because he won't commit to what he's offered. So he appears to be man available in the frame. But what about Jardim? We, we're making this, these presumptions. Is he available? Is he does he have a uh, is he under contract that can be that he can get out of? But in this instance, it's pretty obvious that Sarri has a contract he can get out of. So he is he is a, a visible target and a, and a and a more um, likely target than Jadim, who I just think isn't he just an, uh, somebody who people have, have considered rather than being somebody who was actually, you know, they're going to interview. Um, whereas Sarri, it seems to me, they may have interviewed. I don't know, Liam, you would know more about this. Um, I know they've interviewed Blanc. I don't know whether they interviewed anybody else in that week.
1: I'm not sure, actually. I I don't know if there's been direct, um, like face-to-face meetings with with, with Sari or, or or Jardim. Um, I think there probably has been contact with Sari, which is where a lot of the noise has come from in in Italy. Um, as for Jardim, there have kind of been mixed noises. You know, so, so there have been some reports that he he also has a buyout clause, although the the numbers vary. Um, and it's, it's not something I've been able to confirm myself. But he has certainly, Jardim, been, um, I think, positioning himself for a move to England for quite a while ah. uh, in the way that some European managers do. I think, you know, particularly with what he's done at Monaco in the last few years, he's definitely uh, attracted glances from, from clubs over here, you know, knocking out Manchester City, getting to the semi-final last year. And... And as Chich says, I think I think he actually ticks a lot of the boxes for where Chelsea might need to go from here. You know, he's he's clearly proven at improving um, young players, particularly. It was an incredibly young team at Monaco, a, a really talented team, obviously, but um, but really, really young, too young to, by conventional wisdom, do what they did. Um, and then he also rebuilt that team after they lost about five players last last summer which is also something that could happen to Chelsea this year there could be quite a bit of turnover quite a few older players leaving maybe one or two key players and it could be a rebuild job and he's already shown that he can do that Um, he's always worked at Monaco as a coach rather than a manager so he wouldn't be coming in going here is my list of players I want you to sign he would be working as a coach so I, I think in those in all those senses, he, he ticks a lot of boxes, but I don't know. It's really difficult at this stage. You know, even the, even the journalists that are paying the most attention to Chelsea elsewhere on the, on the Chelsea beat, none of us really have a firm idea yet who they're going going for because I still think there's so much up in the air with Conte um, that they, they really aren't as far down the road with appointing a successor as you might expect at this stage of the season.
3: Which I find somewhat worrying, to be honest. I'm going to move this on, Dan, uh, because uh, after the game on Saturday, it all kicked off. uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, we'll we'll talk about how we feel about it. But William uh, puts up an Instagram which uh, has... uh, Conte blocked out by three trophies. Of course, you know, the more enlightened and intelligent of us know that what he was really trying to say was not that he can't stand Conte's guts and the sooner the man goes, the better, or he's going to bugger off and stick one up uh, Jose Mourinho at Man United. What he was really saying was that Conte had won three trophies in two years. Everybody knew that, you know, surely. No, joking aside, I mean, it was... It was a bit of a petulant act, a bit of a childish thing to do. I mean, to be really honest, Dan, it didn't bother me that much. I, I, you know, I just thought, well, silly boy, you know. But but what what, what do you think? Was it disrespectful? Um, is it is it clear that he's going to United? I mean, he gave Mourinho a bit of a hug on the touchline, didn't he, Dan?
2: Yeah, listen. I think it was it's disrespectful, stupid, unprofessional. But that's it. I mean, it, the whole hissy fit in the me, in the social media is ridiculous. Listen he was angry he was in the cup final he got two minutes and he's probably really peed off and he you know he reacted in a childish way unless he knows that Conte's going or he's going that's probably why he did it you know people people are very offended easily by stuff like that I was like oh William you're stupid quite funny but you're stupid Uh, that's all you can say about it it doesn't it doesn't really deserve much airtime to be honest Uh, in which case clearly just a a
3: pitch and act and that was it I'll move on then. But, Jonathan, I mean, I think it's a wider interesting thing, actually, because a lot of a lot of stuff in the papers today has been all around the Brazilians and Conte either being given the brief to, to disrupt the Brazilian clique or, uh, or maybe Conte just doesn't like Brazilians or maybe Brazilians are just a bloody bunch of troublemakers. Who knows? But do you think there might be something going on with that?
0: Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah, because the whole uh, um, Louise... Uh, um, explosion was because of he, in the Roma game he complained about uh, um, Conte's tactics didn't he and they were all then fed up with the whole Costa thing because Costa was their mate and that's why uh, Kennedy didn't want to actually have anything to do with the club and I think he was palmed off to Newcastle and he's already made a statement Kennedy he doesn't want to come back if Conte's there so was yeah, definitely a, a, a big implosion occurred and I think you you. He, the reason he would go be so pleased to go and play for um for Mourinho, uh, William, is because he in the last year he was his he was his go-to player, wasn't he? He was man of the season, William, under Mourinho, and he hardly gets a kick in uh, since January. And the way that Conte's been playing, I don't know how William gets in anyway, because Conte, if he's going to play defensively. The only place he can come on is as a replacement for Hazard because he's a similar type of player. When they played attacking football, like when they beat um, uh, Huddersfield 3-0 up at Huddersfield, he was star of the match, him and Hazard. If he plays attacking and plays him, then it works brilliantly. But I think he's been making a statement anyway about it. I think he doesn't get on with him, doesn't get on with any of the Brazilians, so he deliberately hasn't picked him. That's what it looks like. That's what it's looked like all season. He's been playing little games with people, Conte, since January. That's, that's the impression I've got about it. So anybody he doesn't like doesn't play. Rudiger makes a statement about selection, suddenly disappears from selection for a game. It's, it's, it's all too obvious to me. He's, he puts people on the naughty step. And, uh, and that's it. And he talks about you know, every, every uh, presser is an opportunity to, to have a, a snipe at the board. Um, it's it's becoming tedious. It's become tedious. It became too tedious. And let's please just put an end to it. I can't bear it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't.
0: I can't envisage a situation with him being manager again next season, with unless the board give in to him completely, in which case everybody will go. He'll have a completely different team. He'll have nearly an Italian team, nearly everybody over thirty. And uh, I mean, that that may be a uh, that may be a solution. He hangs on. The board give in, uh, they, they sell about eight players, and he buys four or five really good Italian players all at 100, 000, 100 million each. You know, that I could see that happening. If, if suddenly there was this desire to make ends meet completely and keep him because they can't find any other manager, one must actually come to the conclusion that ultimately if there's nobody available that's good enough and they've got him for another year under, under, uh, under contract, would they not carry on with him? And perhaps give in to a few of his his desires, destroy the team a bit, use some of the youth if some of the players have gone. It's a it's a it's potentially there as a, as an idea, <clears throat> not quite knowing what the club is up to at the moment financially. I mean, I, I mean, you know, the, Liam, this whole business of the the purse strings being pulled tight. I thought in the summer that um, uh, that uh, 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 Abramovich would change his mind and start buying a few players again. But the the impression I'm now getting is that. He's he's not paying any attention to the club at all, um, and because uh, he didn't appear for the cup final, obviously he hasn't got a visa, so he can't come over. But the, there hasn't been any message from him at all. Not that there ever is. I mean, it's it's becoming slightly bizarre now. This complete lack of communication from anybody at the club. Well, no, Joe, I I disagree. I disagree, Jonathan.
3: Cup. I think they've never communicated what's going on, which is half the problem. No, the media and, and you would have liked. It. This is you half like somebody though to This is this is half the problem them. that we have because the media don't get anything we don't get anything everybody operates in this power vacuum and it's a nightmare I just want to move this on just back to 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 William Jonathan do you think he's going to do you think William's going to go to United I mean the other interesting thing actually they'll be saying it on Mixler but uh, he he's beginning to approach uh you know 30 so you know he's unlikely to get another contract so that might be playing on his mind as well Yes, I do. Yes. Yes.
0: Because I, I think it'll be the balance of the new manager. This is presuming there's a new manager because the new manager will come with three other players. Um, but, but I would want three new players and he want them to be decent. And I think with all the influx of all the uh, the, the, the possibility of the low knees and a few youth players, uh, I, I don't think he gets a game anymore.
3: Well, so just I just... think he's out. Well, uh, I think it'll be a shame because I I like William. I I think it's a shame, period. I think what we're seeing here...
0: I love him. I love him.
3: What what we're seeing here is is a real problem. You know, either the manager, you know, can't manage the players effectively and falls out with them and is a dictator and yadda, yadda, yadda and causes a stink, or the players are all a bunch of disruptive elements and... We get like, this whole player power thing, so the managers keep getting fired. But I mean, I'm afraid, you know, the upshot for me, other than what actually happens at the club in terms of who we have in there now and again, the upshot for me is that it, it further disconnects us from from them, you know. And I think the bond with the players is, is basically dead. Uh, and I think if you wanted any proof of that, you only needed to be at the Legends game last Friday, where we saw uh players that played for us actually you know SCN and Ballack were were, were fairly recent but a lot of them were from the the late 90s uh, and there was clearly a bond still there with those players and and them with us and I and I I remarked in the pub to somebody this weekend that um it was interesting isn't it because you know a lot of them were were foreigners who'd come over here and we all thought that they'd just be a bunch of mercenaries and they're trying to pick up a paycheck but actually, they they found out that there was something very special about Chelsea as a club and us as supporters, and they and they stuck around, you know, and they fell in love with it. But I, I have a suspicion that uh, you know, with the, the the most recent generation having gone, John Terry being the last of them, that is dead. And basically, now we're just going to have a whole litany of mercenary players and mercenary managers who give no fucks for the supporters. And I think that that's really sad. But there you go. Right. In part three, we're going to have all of the usual published notices. And then we're going to look back at the season as a whole and ask, will the summer be a bummer? Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Real fans, real opinions.
0: I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast, proper Chelsea Football
3: Right, welcome back. I'm Stamford Chidge, of course, and uh, you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Whoop, whoop. The uh, equally wonderful uh, Dan Silver.
2: Hello.
3: And the incredibly erudite, or erudite actually, not araldite, which is a glue, but uh, in a sense Liam is the glue which binds us all together on this show with his wit and wisdom. Liam, lovely to have you on the show as always. Hello. There we go. Uh, precise as always uh now i've got a few parish notices to read out as, uh, as i always do at various stages during the show uh and this is the last time that you will hear them uh first of all well this season anyway uh chelsea supporters trust of course join the supporters trust and get your voice heard it's very simple it's free to join up to be a member but if you don't want a badge uh and be able to vote then or if you do sorry if you do want a badge then you need to pay us £5 a year for your membership. That will also entitle you to vote and attend any of the meetings. But uh, if you don't want any of that or that's not relevant to you, then you can just join up, be a member for free. It's simple. Uh, sign up at com, and then you can attend the meetings, get your badge, come to the events and, of course, vote on the issues that directly affect you as a Chelsea supporter. Now, the uh, one way of doing that very, very effectively is... Uh, to fill in and complete our annual survey because what happens with that is that we uh, collate the information it goes into forming our policy for the forthcoming year and we also then take it to the board and present it to them and make them aware of how you lot feel about the really really important issues like safe standing kickoff times fixture scheduling ticket access and pricing uh the stadium redevelopment all of that kind of stuff so it's very very important uh, we, we, basically it finishes at the end, of the end of May so you've got about 10 days to complete it so you better get your skates on because it shuts at the end of May you'll find that at chelseasupporterstrust.com just look for please complete our survey it's on the home page and you can just click through and find the link there and off you jolly well go um, of equal import of course is the Chelsea pitch owners uh, and uh, they of course want to protect the future of the club uh, they own the freehold of Stamford Bridge including the pitch um, so they're rather important, really. And if are going through a bit of a dicey time with ownership, management, you name it, it, they are the one constant that we, the supporters, or those who own shares in the CPO, own it all. So there you go. And the club can't muck around with that. Uh, so if you want to do that, buy a share. They're, apparently they're reduced in price these days. They used to be about 100 quid a share. They're now about 25 quid. So do go and buy one. Uh, you can find out how to do so by going to info or emailing info at chelseapitchowners.com or go to chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea, pitch, owners. Follow them on Twitter at pitchowners. Now last, but by no means least, uh, we have our own little uh, kind of contributory fund ...called Patreon, uh, which basically means if you want to become a Chelsea Fancast Patron member, uh, which will help uh, us cover the running costs of the show, we're doing quite a few shows these days, it all takes a bit of time, and uh, I, you know, also kind of encourage me to carry on producing what I believe is very decent, if not unique, uh, stuff on a podcast for all things Chelsea then please join lots and lots and lots of other people uh, to do that and donate. Whatever you want, you know, there's no pressure. It it doesn't have to be a lot. I always say, you know, it's only a pound for the Chelsea, uh, the UK fanzine. So, you know, we do, I don't know, we do lots of shows a month now, but I mean, a dollar a show, pretty easy. So five to ten dollars a month is more than adequate, but more or less, we don't mind. It's absolutely up to you. It's voluntary. It's all gratefully, gratefully received, and I love you for it. And I will work over the summer in trying to come up with some things to kind of, you know, some special stuff just for you guys that do Patreon. So there you go. Anyway, if you want to go to www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, there you go. Thanks to all of you who have donated this year. And there is something special coming up, which I will organise over the summer. And you will be the first to know. Right. Uh, I'm going to, you know, we've got time to do a bit of a a bit of a season review so in, in the kind of the old kind of style of the fannies really we, we can talk around it like that um, whether we get time to talk about the other stuff heaven only knows but then again we need to have some stuff to talk about on Friday's show Jonathan don't we so maybe we shouldn't uh, prematurely ejaculate it all um, but uh, I'll, I'll start with you Jonathan really oh, Be- I'm sure we'll, find uh, we'll find some inches you're going to bring me a rattle on Friday good man uh, I'll start with you best moments of the season for you uh best moments.
0: Uh winning the cup. Uh yeah, Saturday was the best moment for me. Um, um what else? Um God, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't that tell you how the season's been? Um uh, it's all a blur chidge to be frank. I think uh, I think winning the cup was um was something that uh will stay with me. As you said earlier, we'll always remember, you always remember winning the cup. Um, nothing, nothing stands out other than that. Um, uh, I think uh, the joy of the, uh, the, 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 the number of people getting behind Ray Wilkins um, and his unfortunate uh, uh, death, I thought was heartwarming. I thought that was a really great, um, great thing about the year. Um, but as to events, uh, it, it uh, I found it terribly disappointing this season. So. Oh yeah, one one more would be beating Atletico in, in supposedly one of the great Chelsea away performances in Europe, but we never ever recreated that form or ability in any other match.
3: Yeah, I I, I would agree with those two. I, I would also add in the Liverpool. Uh, win actually and the United win I thought I thought they were good but I mean the Liverpool particularly because you know people thought that we were going to get a bit of a stuffing and I thought we put in a very good display there but yeah winning the cup has to be the best moment and uh, I think that Atletico match was without doubt one of the best uh, you know um, you know performance we've played in Europe to be fair so there you go uh, Dan I, I would imagine you would agree with that wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, I think definitely um, Spurs away as well was pretty good. You know, getting the last minute winner was quite a highlight because it's there for you know, first game at Wembley. So that was always good to beat Spurs. Yeah, Madrid definitely a highlight and the FA Cup. I mean, you know, <sighs> um, but I say yeah, I think United, Liverpool, Atletico, Tottenham, and the FA Cup were the top five.
3: Mm, okay, Liam, how about you? Was it uh, the uh, cuisine that they serve in the Chelsea press box?
1: oh that was a constant highlight um, <laughs> yeah consistently high level all the way through now, i i do think that atletico uh away game was the best all-round performance i think it was one of the i think it was arguably the best all-round performance chelsea had produced in in europe in the last 5 years um, it it was really really complete and i think you've seen now with what atletico went on to do that if they hadn't have gone out in the group stage I think they would have been a threat to go very deep in the Champions League. I think half of Europe was breathing a sigh of relief when they came third because once they got Diego Costa as well to partner with Griezmann, they were really dangerous. Um, Yeah, I I think uh, domestically, obviously, your mind harks back to the big games. But in terms of an individual moment, I think uh, the goal that Willian finished off against uh, Brighton away in the midst of that horrible January run when there were about three three back flicks uh, in the the little passing interchange between him, Hazard, and Batshuayi. I thought that was a really, really um, brilliant bit of football. And, you know, it it stood out so much because of how poor Chelsea had been in in 2018. But that that was a a moment I really enjoyed watching.
3: Excellent. And um, we'll start with you on this one, uh, Liam. Most disappointing moments of the season.
1: well for me i thought i mean obviously uh, i think a lot of supporters are probably going to look back to um either losing to tottenham at home at them ending the the hoodoo or the back to back defeats against uh what bournemouth and watford but for for me actually i thought the the real emotional low point of this season for chelsea and and for conte was city away um Oh. The had because I think yeah. while while there's absolutely no shame in losing to this City side, you know, historically great Premier League team, the way that Chelsea lost and the way that Conte appeared to A, set up the game um, as if he wasn't even trying to win it and then B, more or less admit as much after the match um, that that Chelsea were pretty much just in damage, damage limitation mode to not make any changes when you go 1 nil down um in the 46th minute and 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 you're pinned inside your own half without a target man i thought that was uh pretty mad and pretty pretty out of character for conte because generally he does he does try to win games and that that seemed to be the one moment where he just he just gave up and i think he lost quite a few fans that day as well
3: yes indeed uh jonathan same question to you
0: I would agree completely with Liam. That was, uh, in all my years of watching Chelsea, that was, uh, to capitulate completely like that was absolutely dreadful. The image that will stay with me from that was um, Fabregas and I can't remember the name of the City player just standing looking at each other while the City player had the ball uh, it was on, on his right foot, just standing on it. And Fabregas made no attempt to tackle him and nothing happened. And everybody just stood about. And I just thought, this is absolutely feeble. What what have you been told to do, Fabregas? Or what's going through the team? Or what is the manager on about? That was just uh, despicable, despicable um, abnegation of responsibility from the players and the manager against top side and didn't do our image any good anywhere um uh i'm trying to think of, of, of equally dismal situations i thought the uh, i thought the game against huddersfield recently at home was equally appalling and he made uh, six changes after we'd had the momentum um uh one other thing just to say i thought i thought um a, a positive has been jeru's signing who i think has been a complete revelation and uh um the effort that he puts in—he's not the swiftest of players. The effort that he puts in is is completely praiseworthy. I think he's been he's been a terrific addition. Whether he manages to carry on next year, um, uh, if if there is a new manager, who whether somebody is bought is preferable. Um, but I think he's been a a bright spot in a really a really awful second half of the season. But yeah, for me, the Man City game was, um, I'd, I've never seen anything like it in watching Chelsea for um, since I was little, since that I can remember watching Chelsea, which is 1963. So that's in 55 years of watching Chelsea. That was the worst exhibition of football that I've ever seen from a Chelsea team.
3: So there we have it. Dan, um, would you would you concur with that? I mean, I, I would throw in that that I was particularly dischuffed with losing uh, to Watford and Bournemouth. I thought that that was atrocious, and yeah. the Norwich I mean, game, the Norwich get, ga- the Norwich gate, the Norwich get, ga- the, ga- the Norwich game also really pissed me off as well. But I think for me, the, the Spurs mm-hmm. game was the absolute nadir of this season because I just can't stand losing to them, and to lose that twenty eight year old record was just awful, Dan.
2: Yeah, Spurs definitely the worst. Um, I, yeah, I was, getting, I was getting, basically was solid my thunder. City away, uh, Watford away was massively disappointing as well. To you know to be to put it back to one one and just capitulate the way we did in the last ten minutes. Um, yeah, so I'd say Spurs, Watford, City, even United as well. Some of the sort of the gutless performances we put in. We just, I mean Newcastle as well, albeit it was a, a nothing game. Just some of the spineless, gutless performances is so so unchelsea-like in recent years.
3: Actually, I'm going to change my mind on something or bring something in that might be a bit more relevant. And that's the... Uh, I think, actually, the thing that's really upset me most this season, the thing that's been most disappointing for me, has just been the overarching negativity all season that seems to be generated by either the manager, the players, or the club, or the media, or whatever... You know, and I I think this narrative, this negative narrative, as perhaps, you know, I, I said on the radio the other day, I said, look, if you look at it in the cold light of day, you know, finishing fifth by, by Nats' cock, winning the FA Cup, getting knocked out effectively by the greatest player in the world in the Champions League, being in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup, the cold light of day, that's not a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's been made to feel so much worse by the, the huge negative narrative that we've had playing out this season I mean what do you think of that Liam
1: what the 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 general atmosphere of negativity around the club yeah yeah I I think um I you know I think a lot of that Conte has to take responsibility for um you know it he clearly had an axe to grind and decided to do it through press conferences um, from the moment the season started. And by constantly talking down uh, the players he had, not in the way that Mourinho did, you know, he, I, I haven't seen him take apart a player individually, but collectively saying that he hasn't got enough to work with and and basically collectively... Um, <laughs> Slandering this group of players over and over again, I think, has affected confidence. It's affected his relationship with them, and and, if, and affected results. Now, obviously, the negativity has also come from from elsewhere. You know that that there have been certain. You know, I thought the speculation about Conte's future after the Burnley defeat on the opening day was ridiculous. It shouldn't have started that early, um, and it and it has kind of gone on from there but equally these people weren't writing those stories out of nothing it was coming out of information about Conte's you know the tension between him and the board throughout that summer so uh, I think I I think Conte has to accept a lot of blame for that Uh, I think the players probably could have handled it better so you you have to apportion it but certainly it has undermined this this Chelsea season
3: Liam, do do you think that that briefing was coming from Conte first or the club first, around Burnley?
1: Uh, I well, I don't think no. I don't I don't think it it was a briefing as such. Well, you know, um, you Burnley know what I, you know what I mean. You know
3: what I mean. Off the record yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I think, I think that um, I think that people, the people who speculated about Conte's future after the Burnley game. Um, I you know I don't think they were getting it specifically from Conte's camp or from directly from people at the club. I, I think they were they were writing it based on information that they'd received over the summer about some of the things they'd heard about the way that transfer window was going, the 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 worsening relationship between Conte and the board, and I think there was a certain amount of two plus two equals four of it with it. You know that. The media have been covering Chelsea Abramovich's Chelsea for a long time, and and you know we've we've all grown fairly used to what we think are the signs of an impending uh, breakdown uh, in terms of the relationship between the club and the manager. And you know if you look at the way the season's panned out, it hasn't that those stories weren't entirely without foundation. Although obviously to to claim that he was imminently about about to be sacked was was going a bit too far. Um, but you know, Conte's handled the speculation at least with 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 quite good good grace and and, and discipline. He's not really gotten too frustrated or snappy, but he, his negativity has, has only kind of fueled it, and I think got got him to the point where he he kind of has to leave anyway.
3: Mm. Okay, let's just move this on and, and wrap this little bit up. I mean, uh, let's talk about the players. Really, uh, player of the season, Jonathan, for you. Uh, Kante. Dan? Kante. What about you, Liam? Kante for you?
1: Yeah, I I, I would go with Kante. I'd like to give an honorary mention to Andreas Christensen as probably the best story of Chelsea's season because even though he made quite a few costly mistakes um, down the stretch... You know, he he's shown that an academy, young, an academy youngster can break through, that it can be done. And uh, I think he's a really, really big part of, of Chelsea's future. So, honorary mention to him, but of course, Kante is phenomenal.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think I would definitely go for Kante. Uh, and not least because he, for me, has been the only one who's, you know, put in 100% Uh, you know pretty much every game this season and and for me that counts and it counts in spades Uh, I I think I I think your assessment of um, Christensen is interesting I I would I would argue that he would be most improved player but I I, I, you know taking the season as a whole I would uh, I would certainly I would certainly put Rudiger in there actually I think he's really 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 started to impress me I, I don't know what you think about that Jonathan or we might have another suggestion.
0: Is this for most improved player?
3: Yeah, you saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree completely. Yeah, I think he's um, revealed himself also as a crowd pleaser. Uh, wonderful ability to hit those huge passes to the wing, um, uh, and the speed on him is just absolutely great. And I think he's just he's. He's understood what it's been like to play in the Premier League more and more as the season's gone on. Um, so, uh, yeah, immensely impressive for that. For that uh, um, uh, label, most improved player would be him
2: for me.
3: Yeah, mm. Dan, what say you?
2: Yeah, yeah full house, definitely. Yeah, R- Rudiger has yeah, mm. just been saying so second half of the season; he's come more and more. You know, into himself. I think he's done very, very
3: well. So yeah, I'm right behind the boys. Mm. Okay, I think disappointing player of the season for me has to be has to be Morata. You know, I mean, a n- lot of money. Not that that should really make a difference. Fairly big, repu- fairly fairly big reputation, obviously. But the fact that he started so well and then just went, you know, to shit. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. And I think he's, it's his attitude really that's disappointed me most um you know he just seems to be quite weak soft mentally and i I don't know i don't know if he can turn it round. but liam you you might be kinder than me
1: morata yeah well no i do think he's been the most disappointing player um there's no denying that given you know the expectations function into all of this don't they and and um the fact that he was brought in as the Costa replacement and Costa had done so much. I think it was a little bit unfair to to expect him to maybe produce quite a Costa level, but he hasn't even done really the basics since the autumn. And the most frustrating thing about him is that you look at him and physically, technically, he's got all the attributes to be one of the best strikers in the world. But the the problem he has is is between his ears and um you know, he's, he's had some stuff to deal with off the pitch, both in injury and personal tragedy as well. So maybe next season without those things, he he could be better. But, you know, he's certainly got an awful lot left to prove. And, I, you know, he was left out of the Spain squad and I don't think he could have too many complaints.
3: Mm, I agree with that. OK, um, let's just get into what lies ahead this summer because I, I do firmly believe that... Um, that uh, I've just seen a very funny post by Bonnie Rig Blues who says of Morata, I'm going for Kerry Dixon's uh, assessment. He's Oh, no, no, he's going for Kerry Dixon. He's improved big time this season on the fan cast. (laughs) I'll tell Kerry he'll love that. Yeah, sorry about the show last week. Uh, He and I could not get the stars aligned at the right time to do a show, and I can't do it this week because I shall be at the cricket. So that was the last... Uh, Kerry show a few weeks ago, unless I can drag him out somewhere along the summer, we can do a bit of a warm down, Um, but yeah, talking of the summer, I think it could well be the most important summer uh, for Chelsea since since Raymond arrived at the club, and I think that's down to the fact that we will probably have a new manager, Uh, there's the whole Raymond issue going on, which we're going to talk about later, um, but there's a lot of uncertainty around who's the new manager going to be, what's the transfer budget going to be, who are the targets, who's making the decisions. And I think more to the point, you know, who's going to be here still? And I've am I'm just gonna I've got a list down here of the people that I think are, shall we say, at risk from the first team, if you see what I mean. Because I'm not worried about whether, you know, drink water goes, you know, or, or what happens to Barkley. You know, I'm talking about the first team. So it's really, you know, stay or go. I think I think we're all agreed that Conte uh, is going to be gone, and we'll get a new manager. Is that? Do I get an eye from the ranks? I. I. That'll do. Three, three eyes. Oh, yeah, there we go. Three eyes. Um, So in this case, I shall I shall ask you each in turn. Simple, stay or go. Answer. Uh, Hazard, Liam.
1: Ah, uh, oh! Start with a tough one. Um, I think stay, just.
3: Mm, I like what I'm hearing there, uh, Jonathan. Stay or go?
1: Stay if it's a new manager.
3: Yep, yep. I agree with that, Dan. Stay. Hey. Uh, right, Thibaut Courtois, Liam. i think go okay dan
1: go
3: jonathan
0: stay if it's a new manager
3: okay so that's two two to go and one stay and three stay for hazard okay i know there are conditions but you get what i mean uh william stay or go liam
1: Uh, stay. His problems with Conte and Conte is a temporary problem.
3: Jonathan, go. Dan,
2: I think go as well.
3: So that's two go, one stay. Right, Fabregas. Jonathan, go. Dan.
2: mls
1: <laughs> Liam I think stay okay
3: so that's two go one stay you're all you're kind of predictable in your unpredictableness uh Alonzo Liam uh stay Jonathan stay Dan. Okay, that's a uh, three stays for Alonso. Cahill, Liam. Stay. Jonathan. Stay. Dan. Stay. So that's three stays for Cahill. Okay, Pedro, Liam. Oh, um. I think go. Jonathan,
0: are you noting all this down? Chip? I am. See I am. I am. I. I feel.
3: I feel like Chris Tarrant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'm going to ask one of you. Do you want to phone a friend in a minute? But anyway, <laughs> so we got what we got. One is that. Is that was that? A Sorry, remind remind me, Liam. Was that a stay for Pedro? I. I said go. You said go. Sorry, Jonathan. Pedro. And I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying go. Dan go as well i think I think that's kind of more wishful thinking than than whether that will happen actually, but uh maratta liam stay Jonathan stay dan stay. Okay, and uh last but by no means least Kante. now, I'm not thinking that we should get rid of him, but I'm worried that somebody might nab him, Liam stay Jonathan
0: stay are we talk- is Moses in the list?
3: No, don't care if he stays or goes, okay, cante stay. stay. Yeah. Uh Dan.
2: Yeah, stay. All right. Doubt.
3: So my casting vote I think Hazard will stay. I think Hort, uh I think Corto uh, will go. I think William will go. I think Fabregas probably should go. I think Alonso will stay. Cahill will stay. Pedro will go. Maratta I think he will probably stay because I think they've spent too much money on him and I think Kante will stay. So that's Hazard staying. Uh, It's a bit of a toss-up with... Oh, no, no. Cortar off. Uh, Willian off. Uh, Fabregas. We've got a stalemate. So he's 50-50. Alonso, we're all saying he's staying. We're all saying that Cahill is staying. We're all saying that Pedro is off. We're all saying that Morata is staying, and we're all saying that Kante is staying. So that's interesting. So, you know, uh, we're obviously very optimistic people because, we, we, you know, Courtois, Willian... If we lost Courtois, Willian and Pedro and possibly Fabregas, you know, given the uncertainty that surrounds this club at the moment and uh, and our summer... That that's getting off quite lightly, I think. I mean, Courtois is the big blow in that. I think I love Willian to pieces. I really do. But if he doesn't want to play for us, and if he wants to go and have you know be a bum chum with Mourinho, then then go, you know. And I also think contractually, if he's getting up to thirty, I think the club will let him. I, I just hope they don't let him go to Man United. I'd, I'd farm him off somewhere else. But I think overall, given that, I think we that that I'd settle for that. We'd get away with that. What, what, what do you think, Liam?
1: Um, yeah, I think that that might be quite a good outcome if they manage, they manage to keep. I mean, Hazard is the key one. Yeah, and I, I hesitated over that one because I, I do think it's genuinely in the balance. Yeah, um, Courtois, I still think there's a there's a fairly big chance that Chelsea keep him, but he he has more leverage than Hazard because he only has one year left. If 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 Madrid decide to go for him, I I don't see anything Chelsea can do to keep him uh, this summer, and it would simplify his life a lot to be in Madrid, as as we all know. Um, Willian, it's you know I'm not entirely sure. I do think his main problem is is Conte, um, and Conte will will obviously leave, but he would have to. My instinct is that he would have to really push for a move to United. Um, because Chelsea are aware of the backlash they got for Matic last year. And, you know, I I think it would take a lot for United to prize him away because Chelsea don't want to be seen as as still being in the business of solving Jose Mourinho's problems.
3: Yeah, I think having heard that, Liam, I might amend my vote to stay, which would make him 50-50, you know, because I think actually that's a very sound point, which makes it even a little bit better, but there you go. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting that we all think Murata is, is going to stay because I, I do think that's a doubt because I don't think he's very happy, and I think he would. I think because he's soft, I think he would ship out if given a chance. He'd bail out rather than stay and fight. But that's just my opinion. Um, just to kind of wrap this part up and, and try and do it quite quickly. You know, I, I, I'll start with Liam if you don't mind, boys, because he's he's he, he's probably much better. Uh, better connected than us but I mean what do you think about transfer budget targets and and who on earth is going to be making these decisions not least that we because we won't have a manager not least because there's a bloody world cup that gets in the way and not least because Raymond I mean okay I mean it's not like he's completely absent he can get on the end of the phone so it's not as big a deal as people think but you know there is a, a potential you know a bit of aggravation for us this summer with all of that taken into account isn't there?
1: Sorry, you broke up a little bit there. Was that the Abramovich stuff?
3: No, I was just saying, you know, it's obviously very uncertain. You know, do 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 we have any idea what the transfer budget might be, who the targets are? But more to the point, you know, who's going to be making these decisions? Conte's clearly not going to be there. Are they going to wait till they get a new manager in? or, or, Or do they run the risk of that not happening until after the World Cup, which leaves us no time, which puts us back three months, which means we're already out of the competitions before we've even started them? You know, that kind of issue, which you always get in a World Cup year.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think speed is the key, as you say. I mean, particularly with the transfer window being even more compressed, closing before the new season actually starts this year. Um, there's even less time to to get the players that you want over the line. Yeah. Chelsea's model has always been, you know, they 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 will they're happy to sign players if not quite independent of the coach, then certainly without the coach having the biggest or even the final say. Um, you know, they will buy players who they believe fit into the squad they have and, and represent good long term investments. And those, you know, that that's the club's recruitment structure. It's Granovskaya, it's also Abramovich, um, who takes a, a very active interest still in, in, in recruitment. So I would expect Chelsea to to be looking at targets regardless of of whether they've got a manager in place or not but clearly that is key because as soon as you have a rough idea of who your coach is what system he wants to play then then all of a sudden these other decisions can start to be made in a in a slightly more informed light not just the players you want to buy but also you know loanies like the guys like Ruben Loftus-Cheek who you know if he was if he was ever going to have a career at Chelsea you'd think it would be next season
3: Mm. It's going to be a very very interesting summer I suspect. Uh and we we'll, we will we will catch up with all of this. We will catch up with all of this uh at some time soon. Now after the break uh we are going to be hearing from Jonathan of course. He's got some fantastic emails uh from you lovely people. Uh one of which actually uh is very much about Roman Abramovich being refused a visa. So that'll allow us to get into a bit of that. And then there's a bonus one uh that uh that I will read out because it came in after I'd done the script. But as it's the last show, I think we can do that. We'll see you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions.
2: I'm Jason Cundy,
0: and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chels! Football
3: Right, welcome back. I'm Sam Chidge and this is the last part of the last Monday show of the season for Chelsea Fancast. I hope you've all got your tissues at the ready, because it's a sad, sad part of the show. Because we won't be back with you for, until August. Well, not on a Monday, anyway. Um, but as always, uh, you know, a tradition dictates that we finish the show with some good old emails. And we've got loads from you, as always, this week. And, uh, well, guess what we've got here, Jonathan? Your old friend, Paul Robinson, is back amongst us to give us the benefit of his wisdom. That was a comedy gulp, Chidge. I heard it. Um,
0: I haven't read this, guys, so it's going to be an adventure to me, and I'm taking into consideration that I won't react to it until I've read it all the way through. I think that's only fair. Isn't that correct, Chidge? Yeah, good. Uh, Paul Robinson, dear Chid, Jonathan and crew. Good. Now the season has come to an end once again, I feel the need to defend Conte against the venomous attacks across the press, social media and Jonathan Kidd. Now I've just added that bit. Journos closest to the club have been widely quoted saying that pre-season Conte expressed his concerns to the club that they would have to significantly strengthen ahead of next, i.e. this season, reflecting A, we already have one of the smallest squads in the division, never mind top six. B, last season, 16, 17, we were very lucky with injuries and suspensions. C, having benefited from no Champions League football this season, we have 20% more games. D, other teams will have worked us out. E, departure of one of the world's top strikers, having handed in several transfer requests during the season. Reflecting his experience in the game and success four consecutive titles across two different countries, Conte provided a list of desired players, all of whom were roundly ignored. Can I say something quickly? All of whom were over 30, anyway. Instead, he was provided with inferior replacements and injured new players and warned of the consequences but he had turned his phone off and disappeared and said he wanted to resign, but that's by the by. Inadequately, replacing a top striker and midfield steel is a bit like an army general having his missiles and defense radars removed and being expected to win the war. Jonathan, re- Jonathan, I can't say my own name. Jonathan recently criticized Conte for not getting the best out of his resources and failing to win goals as a result. Mm. I would respectively disagree, and in an interview last week, so did Fabregas. Oh, the stats in this article are startling and lay bare the cause of this season's demise. And if everybody would like to make a note of this, I'll read it out. It's www.pressreader.com forward slash UK forward slash evening hyphen standard hyphen west hyphen end hyphen final slash 20180509 slash two eight two double four I'll repeat that again because this is obviously going to be worth it. www.pressreader.com forward slash UK forward slash evening hyphen standard, hyphen west, hyphen end, hyphen final, forward slash, this is the most difficult bit. Two zero one, not for me. Two zero, I mean for people listening. Two zero one. That's my daughter with me. Two two zero one eight zero five zero nine slash two eight two double four five six double four six nine double two seven three. This is what he said. We have not scored enough. No, we haven't scored enough. Given the sorry, he's not French, is he? It? He's Spanish. Real We haven't scored enough given the amount of chances we've created said the midfielder when we analyze videos of our games the amount of chances we've created is unreal chelsea is scoring the second fewest league goals for a season in the roman Abramovich era they have 61 goals which is just two more than during the nadir of 2015-16 as much as chelsea have appeared defensively weak at times They've conceded just one more than the title winning team of 12 months ago, but they have 24 fewer in the goals for column. But very briefly, Paul, I would say once again, this is down to the manager. We are lowest scorers in the top six and Opta statistics reveal only Crystal Palace and Southampton have failed to convert more clear cut opportunities. People should stop blaming Conte as those stats are surely self-explanatory. Plenty of chances, but poor conversion from the inferior replacements Conte was given following Costa's departure. But Conte is supposed to be a man who is good at making bad players into good ones. So why can't you see that, Paul? That anyway, what Conte predicted has panned out exactly. Well, because it's just read it. You know, or as Conte has. Shush you. Or, as Conte has said consistently, we have had the season we deserve. Goals mean points, and Conte cannot be blamed for such a poor conversion rate. Yes, he can. Even the recent run of four back-to-back wins are no coincidence. They have occurred once, A, Chelsea are back to playing one game a week, i.e. the squad like last season, only big enough to cope with this. B, every new signing who missed the preseason and only now in April stroke May has reached full match fitness. Mm. Of course, Conte can be criticized for his very recent team selections, but at this stage in the season by his demeanor is clearly a broken man. Unlike any other occupation, a manager's entire job security is based entirely on results for that year. Like any manager in any field, one can only deliver through one's staff and team. At the beginning of this season, Conte's team, and in particular his strike force, was significantly weakened. Yet he is still expected to deliver to the same high standards, or he loses his job. The board have done, done an amazing job over the past 13 years, and arguably, without Roman, not a single trophy would have been possible however they got it badly wrong with last year's transfer policy and should be open and honest about this rather than passing all the blame onto conte and no doubt sacking him at cobham on sunday morning well that didn't happen best paul <laughs> boris chelsky boris chelsky sorry it's a bit rubbish on me paul boris paul as in boris chelsky paul robinson yeah anyway
3: Well, go on then, Chish. No, no, I was going to allow—I no. was going to allow you to reply first, mate.
0: Well, no, all right. Um, uh, but you told me to shush.
3: No, no, that's because um, you kept on butting into the uh, email while you were reading it.
0: <laughs> and why not? Um, uh, yes, a decent argument, but the the main core of it that he's missed and he keeps missing and he keeps not paying any attention to was Conte's role in the summer. Uh, and I'll keep going on with this, and uh, Liam will agree with me here. Um, uh, and this is why the whole business of him being sacked went round after the Burnley game is um, he asked for a, a large number of players who were all ludicrously old and all wanted huge amounts of money, and the club wouldn't have anything to do with it. Now, if if you do what the manager wants and say, "All right, we'll buy whoever you want," um, well, that's sort of fair enough. In a sense, that's what he's arguing for and what several other people on the internet have argued for. And I, I, I sort of go along with that. If you say, if he has to say, back me, um, uh, and you go against the policy you've got of, 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 of over uh, over 30 players having, a, you know, two and three year contracts. Same with Dzeko, the same thing happened. He wanted two or three years, didn't he? And uh, and a large amount of money. And he's in his 30s, so they're not going to do it. So he was on to a losing battle immediately. And he immediately then turned his phone off and disappeared and according to another source that I've got asked to leave the club. And, uh, 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 so with that, if that is the premise from the very beginning, um, you can't have any sympathy for it. You can't say, I mean, he's, he's quoting all these things. My, my thing about scoring goals is that, um, they do still tip tap the ball around is he should be practicing that. It doesn't matter who the player is. His big thing has always been Conte, as he did with Moses. I can take a player and make him into something else. And He failed with Bachwei because Bachwei apparently wasn't bright enough to make it work. But he's obviously great at making players perform better, and and he didn't do that this season. All right, it may be that because he had the other games, it wasn't. It was more difficult for him. But um, I just think it it, it falls apart um, to say that uh, they've had they didn't they they haven't they haven't converted chances into goals. He should be working on that because that's he's one of the top managers, whether he gets somebody to consistently shoot. I mean, still, even watching the cup final, you get players getting into positions in the penalty area and laying the ball off or laying or or just thinking there's the shot. We're all looking at it. We're all able to see that from the ground, from the from our seats. There's the moment. You can see it there. He's made the hazard is very guilty of this. He sees the moment. You can see he's done it. He's moved beautifully. He just needs to hit it, and he doesn't. He he passes it to the left or right, and they they just don't shoot enough. And I and I, I can't see why you can't train that out of them. So I I don't go with this. I'm afraid I would go possibly with the whole business of them not having a, a big enough squad and him getting uh, people at the edge of the end of the pen of the transfer window who weren't well, who were just sort of dribs and drabs. But that was because of what he had done himself in the, in the transfer window in the summer, which was disappearing and, and wanting to leave the club. And I don't know how that panned out, whether they tried to get somebody or they just said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And that's why there was such a rush. And I've had this corroborated by five people, all of whom are, you know, I, I vaguely know, well, they're not vaguely, they know about these things. So this isn't something I've made up. So... Um, I, 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 the basis, therefore, for Paul's argument it just doesn't work for me. I'm afraid to 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 somehow make Conte this this savior who's been treated badly. Because then what you don't do is you don't spend the whole of the second half of the season having a go at your employer. I'm sorry, I just don't like that.
3: Or or you know, or, or, also, or, or also blaming it on the players, which he has done as well. I mean, it'd be interesting to, yes, to hear. He did, yeah, yes. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear. You know, Liam's take on this, because he would have been quite close to this, I would imagine. I mean, before you do, Liam, i I pick up a point that uh, Dean Mears, the lovely Dean Mears made, is that, you know, he just says, I can, I can understand Paul's points, but I agree with Jonathan here. Either Conte should have got on with it or walked away. And that kind of conflates with my long-held view, which is, you know, these managers that come in you know they think that the that you know they hear about chelsea we got lots of money we spend lots of it on players which bit of the memo didn't they get you know we've had this transfer policy of one in one out for a while uh we've been trying since the ffp days to be uh you know a self sustaining club so the whole model has changed and and which bit did they choose not to hear about that so when it doesn't go their way, I, I, I think Dean's got a good point. He should have just gone rather than try to sting us for the nine million quid. But that's just me. What do you think, Liam?
1: Well, it it almost feels like um, it almost feels like Chelsea are an old old man set in his ways, and yet. All these high, high-powered managers are, are the woman who thinks they can change him. You know, <laughs> Conte point. won the title in his first in his first season, and 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 I think he came. I, I think he won that title and presumed um, that that would give him a level of power and a level of influence within the club that he didn't previously have. And the big difference I've seen in Conte this season compared to last season is that last season he wasn't happy with the way the summer transfer window went in 2016 either but he last season he was a coach that responded to problems by finding creative solutions whether that be working with players on the training field or you know changing formations being tactically innovative and he proved himself a truly world-class coach by doing those things and this year for whatever reason he hasn't even looked, it, it seems, for creative solutions to a lot of the problems Chelsea have faced. He simply pointed them out ahead of time and then kept banging on about them as they're going on as, it, as if, well, I told you all this would happen and, and being very fatalist and, and and very defeatist about the whole thing. Um, just to add about the the transfers, I mean, yeah, there was a fundamental difference, I think, last summer in the kind of profile of player that Conte wanted and the profile of player that Chelsea have not just targeted, we're not just targeting in that window, but have targeted in, in recent years, players who who can grow and in, accumulate in value and, and, and improve within the club. Um, and what I, the other thing I would say is that, you know, for people arguing that you just give a manager whatever he wants in terms of players he wants to buy and players he wants to let go, well, that's the reason why Chelsea don't have Kevin De Bruyne or Mohamed Salah right now.
3: Very, very yeah. good point. I like that. Um, should we, should we move on to Chain or Shane, uh, Jonathan? He's our yeah. um, our great mate. He's on Chain, Patreon as Chain. well. Can
0: I just say though, good stuff. Can I just say though that, that it's a terrific email from Paul. It's terrific, and I think this is it's the perfect kind of debate that we have as a consequence. And so I, I take my hat off to him. I think it's excellent. So, um, anyway, this is from Shane Miller. Uh, Chidge, you called it on the radio Hazard made the difference yesterday I know the defence I know the defence put in a shift last night but it would have been for nothing if we didn't get a goal Brilliant stuff from our Eden Up the trophy winning Chelsea. Shane Absolutely Shane um, He obviously listened to everything you did Chidge, yep. and, uh, when you were Mystic Chidge yep. did, did any more of those emails go around with oh. you dressed
3: as uh, as Mystic? Mac? I've had thousands Jonathan for have thousand thousands saying, Chid, you're a genius. <laughs> yes. They're all from my mum. Oh,
0: brilliant. Oh, good. Uh, this is Kunle Anderin. Uh, hello, mate. Hi, Chid and the gang. Kunle from NYC again. Congrats on winning the FA Cup. Brilliant win using Mourinho tactics against Mourinho. LOL. Having said that, it was still a disappointing season, marked by poor decision-making by the club. Below is an excerpt from a news article, and it will be great to get your thoughts the Roman stroke Russia relationship has been an increasing source of concern for me as a Chelsea fan. A source close to the oligarch confirmed to Sky News that Mr. Abramovich's visa expired at the end of April 2018. An application for it to be renewed is in process, but taking longer than usual, they added. He has links to Vladimir Putin's government in Moscow, and earlier this year was included for the first time on a U.S. list of Russian officials and oligarchs close to the Kremlin that could serve as a basis for future sanctions. The U.K. government has toughened its rhetoric against the Kremlin since the nerve agent attack on Sergei and Yulia Skripal in Salisbury in March. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a great summer. Cheers, Kunle." Well, thank you, Kunle, for laying that bomb at our feet. Um, but yes, uh, it's. Um, it, I, mean, I read an article today saying, in fact, there was no bother at all, no worry. One shouldn't worry about it. Um, it was just taking a bit longer to get his visa. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's likely to be on a few lists. The dilemma is, of course, that, that there is so much Russian money um, uh, in England, particularly in London. I think there's so much property bought by by Russians that uh, I don't quite know how the government deals with this. Um, and one has to always remember that um, Abramovich has nine point six billion at uh, um, the, the current uh, analysis of his fortunes and i think when he took chelsea over he had six billion even despite having spent a billion on chelsea so i think he's still doing quite well and all his money i think is in switzerland where he is a resident is that correct uh, liam do you know this
1: sorry are you, talk, are you talking about where he's where registered he's rest- himself yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: well it was it, it was interesting i read um in the last couple of days that that Ford Stam Limited, the holding company of Chelsea, uh, let company's house know. I think in March that their owner's residence was being changed to to Russia from Switzerland. Now he, he when when we say his his residence had been listed as Switzerland, apparently he he reserved the right to um, apply for residency in Switzerland, but he never he never actually did. So. All we know really is is what I've just said that, that these things have happened. We don't know why. We don't know what they mean. Um, so it's all very mysterious. And you know, the, the whole visa issue in itself could could just be Home Office bureaucracy. It could just be things taking a little while. But it's the context yeah. that it that is slightly ominous um, when you set it against the backdrop of these political tensions between the UK and Russia. Um, and we we all know you know how how influential Abramovich has been his his ties to Putin, um. So yeah, th- th- it's that contest ton- context which has led to this story getting as much play as it has.
3: Liam, I I just wonder. I mean, you know, I think I think for me that that is the worry, isn't it? Because you know this has been on the political landscape for a while that uh, they may well take retribution. Uh, on some of the oligarchs that are living here with ties to Putin, and that would that would would include Roman, and apply some political pressure that way, and of course going after the money is is one of the ways to do that. Um, clearly, we don't know what the ins and outs are of it. I, I believe there's going to be something in the papers tomorrow. Which is going to lay this out a little bit, bit more about what's going on. But kind of racing ahead, let's say, let's say this does become an issue, they don't give him a visa, they go further and they start trying to, you know, sequester his funds and stuff. I mean, what on earth are the ramifications for Chelsea going to be?
1: Well, it's it, it's a really difficult question to answer. I mean, I, you know, I, I wrote a piece outlining the the. The broad context to this which went up on espn today um and as far as i can tell there is there is no real precedent um in this country in any field not just sport i think for the government to essentially seize an asset as large as chelsea from a private owner um you know i don't, I don't think the government has ever been that that hostile to private wealth <laughs> of any of any form so it's really difficult i don't think the legislation currently exists it would require something maybe similar to the magnitsky act which was uh, passed by the us in in 2012 which specifically targeted um russian russian wealth for sanctions and that, you know that is something that's been discussed over here but i don't get the sense that it's any anywhere close to to being enacted or having any real political traction so this is all pretty far out of my wheelhouse as a Chelsea correspondent, but uh, it, you, you find yourself having to brush up on these things. And it's difficult. I think if, if, it, if it's no more than, you know, if, if the visa issue turns out to be a genuine sanction and the can't enter the country, it will be, uh, I think, a little bit humiliating for him and it will certainly be inconvenient for him. But it, there's no reason it has to affect the day-to-day operations of, of Chelsea. I mean, Granovskaya runs the club. The owners of all the top six clubs in the, in the Premier League are based in various locations around the world. None of them are based in the UK, and a lot of them come to games even, even less frequently than Bramovic. So I don't think it makes a huge difference. Obviously, if things go further than that, then we're into really un, uncharted waters, I think, in terms of football, but also in, in terms of uh, broader the broader political landscape.
3: I mean, the the other thing that occurs to me is that, you know, say the worst thing happens and he can't come back into the country and all of this kind of thing. You know, I I agree, you know, it's a fully functioning operational corporate entity that doesn't need him to be here every day of the week. But I wonder about his emotional ties and and whether that might make you think, well, you know what, fuck it. I can't be bothered with this anymore. I'll divest.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly, I think, a more valid concern because Chelsea need... Abramovich's investment both financial and emotional um, arguably more than ever you know the, having not qualified for the Champions League um, twice in the last three years the football side of the club is at, at a critical juncture but you've also got the stadium project is at a really delicate stage as well you know they're, they're a bit too far down the road with that to, to abandon it but it, you know the costs are spiralling massively we're talking about a, mil- a billion pounds now and um, but only only about half of which Abramovich is going to pay for. The rest may well end up being debt um, through through the form of loans, and we still don't know entirely how long that stadium process will take. So, anything that would force or anything that would encourage Abramovich to to distance himself from the club at this stage certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be a good thing for for them on or off the pitch.
3: OK, so worrying times, basically. Uh, we've got uh, one more email from you, Jonathan, and then I've got one from Josh Barrow.
0: From uh, Kendall Douglas. Uh, hello, all. Just wanted to quickly write and say thanks for another great season of the Fancast. I've absolutely enjoyed it and look forward to next year already. Thanks for all the time you put into it and for giving us even more of the club we love. Although the team has not always given 100% on the pitch for us, You all have every week without letting us down. Oh, thank you. Also, I can't ever read or hear anyone say the word live anymore without my mind impersonating JK and Chidge going live Live. together. (laughs) I don't think we can do that with this uh, echo. Live!
1: Live! Thanks
0: again and best regards.
1: Live! Live! Live!
0: The Chelsea. Live! Live! The Chelsea. Kendall Douglas.
3: Live. Superb, I love Kendall He, he keeps in touch Bye. on Twitter a lot uh, Now I've got one more that kind of missed the script cut But uh, by the virtue of email on my phone I will read it out And it's from the lovely Josh Barrow And he says, Dear Chid and the fancast crew, I'm hard-pressed to label a season that ends in silverware as a disappointment, but it most certainly has been frustrating. Week after week, we didn't know which version of Chelsea would show up on the pitch, if we were going to put up a fight or simply roll over. When we did turn up, it seemed as though we couldn't manage to put the opposition away, making for some very nervy moments, giving me, and I'm sure others, something of a heart condition. And that's just on the pitch. It was every bit as frustrating to watch what transpired off the field. I don't think Conte managed to get through a single press conference all season without being questioned about his job security. I I can't imagine what that must be like. But then he responded by having a go at the board constantly. And that's just what happened publicly. We have no way of knowing everything else that has gone on behind the scenes, but it's safe to say that all of this strife around the club has had a negative impact on our on-field results." But with all of this, the thing that frustrates me most is the treatment of some of our players by so-called supporters. Excuse me. None more egregious than the... I love that word. I'm going to say it again. None more egregious than the abuse levelled at Gary Cahill. I'm reminded of last summer's transfer window and our link to Oxlade-Chamberlain. The reports claim that we told him we wanted to turn him into someone like Gary Cahill. So, of course, when he chose not to sign with us, the internet blew up with Cahill hate. Uh, blaming him for our failure to land the player. Now, if I were a footballer with any ambition, and you were to tell me that you wanted to turn me into someone who would go on to win multiple uh, Premier League titles, multiple FA Cups, the League Cup, the Europa League and the Champions League, that I would go on to captain both club and country, I don't think I'd be able to sign fast enough. That's a hell of a career by any standard. This is a player who has given everything for the club, consistently put his body on the line, Played through injury, bled for the badge. I'm not saying he's the world's greatest defender, but with that CV and with everything else he's given, he certainly deserves better than the abuse that is constantly hurled at him. Perhaps when told we would turn him into Gary Cahill, Ox looked at all that he'd done for this club, saw that instead of respecting gratitude for his service to the club, he was instead receiving death threats on Twitter. Maybe he's, he sees that and wants no part of it. We've got a lot of work to do in the summer's window. There's no shortage of uncertainty where next year is concerned. We don't have Champions League football on offer. It's hard enough to compete for signatures if targets see how people like... Sorry, it's hard enough to compete for signatures. If our targets see how people like Gary Cahill are treated, they see players literally booed off the pitch by their own supporters, it makes for an even tougher sell. We aren't the only club with deep pockets these days. I'm in no way saying we as fans can't be critical... Criticism is one thing, abusing and booing our own players is something else. Thank you for all the work you do in putting out the show week after week. Living in rural Virginia, I don't know anyone else who even watches football, let alone any Chelsea fans. Podcasts have been invaluable in helping me feel more connected to the club that I love. I listen to many, and the fancast is the best of them. Keep up the good work, and as always, keep the blue flag flying high. Best regards, Josh Barrow. How about that, J.K.?
0: Fantastic, Chidge. So I'm out of a job now, am I? Because that
3: was really good. I learnt from the best, Jonathan. To be fair. Oh, well said, Chidge. Well said. You are so tactful. Smooth as a baby's bottom. Uh, lovely email. And I agree entirely about that. <laughs> I, I think, I think I love Gary Cahill. I. I you know, I think I was a bit rude, and I said he reminds me of an old Labrador that you love that started pissing on the floor a lot. But you know, the reality is, I, I, I you know, he's the last link to to the Chelsea that we might not see again. And you cannot argue with what he's won for this club. And I, I looked at him, I looked at him on on Saturday, you know, lifting the FA Cup, and him afterwards, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you're the captain of my club. You know, you'll do for me. So, Josh, I totally agree with that. Right, uh, thank you for all of your emails this season. As you know, uh, we will always try and read them out on the show. So do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and do it before a Monday. Otherwise, they might miss the cut. And, of course, (laughs) do it next season because (laughs) we're not on air until August. So. They'll just all pile up, and there won't be—I won't have time to read them all. But I, but don't don't st- you know don't stop sending them. I mean, send them in. Uh, keep in touch during the summer. I'd love to hear from you all, but they just won't get read out on the show until we start again in August. So there you go. Uh, and I'm afraid, sadly, for Monday nights, uh, that is it for this season. Uh, and it's about time, I should say. A massive, massive thanks. To all of you who have listened to the shows and supported us throughout the season, especially the listeners on Mixilla, uh, all of you who have emailed us or phoned the Love Sport Radio Show, everyone we've met at the games this season and had a drink or three with, or, or just said hello to us. I, I, we met some people on Saturdays we were going into Wembley. Lovely couple of lads. They, we we I, we didn't didn't find out who they were sadly. Otherwise, I'd have been able to give them a shout out, but. I love it when people come up and say hello. You're always so friendly and always say nice things about us and the show. Uh, Of course, all of you who have posted on Facebook and Twitter, but of course, best of all, the subscribers on Patreon who put their hands in their pockets to give us a bit of support every week. That's really lovely of you. Um, But the reality is, without you lot out there, there really would be no point in doing the show, and you do make it very, very worthwhile for us. You are all absolutely wonderful, and I'm sure Jonathan, my sidekick, would uh, absolutely agree with that, wouldn't you, J.K.? Completely
0: brilliant! It's uh, uh, the, the 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 radius of, uh, of of people listening to this is completely fabulous. I keep repeating myself about this, but uh, it's uh, it's wonderful that we have listeners all around the world. It just uh, it um, it it's sort of slightly scary, really, that we can say stuff that we're you know we're we're just putting our opinion of what. What we're seeing on the pitch and yet it's it's having a resonance everywhere it's uh, it's brilliant and um, um, and a bit humbling actually when you think oh, all i'm doing is just watching a game putting forward an opinion and you're bringing a window into uh, of what goes on as a supporter um to somebody who doesn't get an opportunity to come very often to uh, to the ground doesn't even live in england i think it's uh, it's absolutely superb and particularly as we're finding out on on Love Sport, is that they've got so many good opinions about the game, despite being uh, in other countries, or even people who are in other countries phone up, and we we hear them, and they're they're very fluent and very uh, uh, excellent with their observations. So uh, I think the show goes from strength to strength, Jig, and I think it's being helped by being on Love Sport, because it just makes the, the bond with these people even better.
3: Well, talking of Love Sport, you do, in fact, have one more chance to let us into your ears uh, this Friday between 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock when we'll be doing the Chelsea Fancast for Love Sport Radio. Alex, the girl who loves balls, Churchill, Jonathan and me, will be talking all things Chelsea and uh, probably have a bit of a season review and quite possibly be discussing Conte if he's still here by then. Uh, but the best thing is that you can phone in and join the show and the debate with us Live! Now, the number to call is... No, I knew it would come. The number to call is 0208 70 20 And, of course, we'll give you a reminder of that towards the end of the week. Uh, Love Sport can be heard on 558 AM and on digital radio. Uh, it can be heard on lovesportradio.com. And if you've got a phone that you listen to it through, you can do it on radio player and tune in. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Dan at DanSilve73, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Massive, massive thanks to Gion and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for the regular content going up during the week. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more of that coming over the summer. And of course, everything we write gets posted on Twitter and our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So make sure you check it out, read them, like them, retweet them, it all helps. Uh, and, of course, a huge thank you to all of my wonderful co-presenters this season, especially Chelsea legend Carrie Dixon, the lovely Tony, Alex, Clayton, Marco, Ollie Harbord, Dan Sills, and, of course, tonight's wondrous, wondrous participants, Mr. Liam Toomey. Bravo. And Thank f- you. My- Always a pleasure.
0: Always always a
3: real, real honour and a privilege having you on the show, Liam. You've got such great insight and knowledge. We, we great, greatly appreciate you coming on the show. And, of course, last but by no means least, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd.
0: Oh, Chidge, how nice to be described as last and by no means least. Thank you very much That's indeed. That's all right. But can I just say I bow and scrape to, to, uh, to Liam's knowledge, which is fantastic. It was. Uh, I was just thinking. God, we can all shut up. Just Liam. Just speak. Speak. Be the Liam Toomey show. Be great. It was fantastic. So,
3: <laughs> I, I I concur with well, that. We'll, you, we'll, 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 we'll we'll rename think- the show next year the Liam Toomey Experience, if you like, Jonathan. Right, that's it for this season on a Monday night. I love you all at Mixler and everybody who listens to the show, particularly the boys that do it with me. thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, Keep it carefree and keep it ches up the chill.